Yeah, that was Scary Pockets with Therese Curatolo featuring uh, singing All Eyes on Me, which is a mashup of Bo Burnham and Under Pressure from Queen. Look, I am madly in love with Therese Curatolo. She is a fucking amazing artist. Go and check her out. I posted a link to her uh, YouTube channel on the thing. But I'm also madly in love with Ryan Lerman, the lead guitarist there. He's an amazing artist that does stuff with uh, Scary Pockets, Scary Goldings, uh, Pomplemousse, a bunch of bands that I love. That guy is great. He's stories. He does phenomenal work with stories. Nick Campbell, that bassist just kicks the shit out of things. Go check out Nick Campbell Destroys. All of the links to each of those artists' individual websites and or YouTube pages are linked in the show notes. I've just posted them live, so they are on YouTube and uh, Twitch. Go support these artists. Buy their shit. Subscribe to their channels. Go and see them when they go on tour. Check out their sessions. Nick Campbell. Dude, I love that guy. That bassist does amazing shit, and he's recorded with everybody he's an amazing studio artist one of the top 10 bassists alive today so go and check those guys out and support their shit hello hello this is kai zen i am drinking some dragon's milk and some six in 20 and uh this is black sky legion episode number 140 james webb a palooza baby july 15 2022 how you feeling? Woo! With me tonight is my main man, my XO, Wolf Dragon. Say hello to the beautiful people, Wolf, and tell them what you're drinking. Hey, hey, everyone. I am just now pouring the last bit of this Carolina Roja into my Glencairn for the evening. I'd be sad. Nothing beats... But I got three more bottles. <laughs> Nothing beats free liquor. Yeah, baby. And we've got the tactician himself, Tweak74 in the house. Say hello to the beautiful people, Tweak. Tell them what kind of fancy schmancy coffee you're drinking tonight, brother. Hello, everybody. Friday night's upon us again. And yep, you guessed it. I got coffee. This... Uh, what is it? Oh, yeah. Tonight it's a chocolate raspberry powered by uh, 6 and 20's Carolina Cream. Woo, nice. And we've got from the Star Citizen Research Group tonight, uh, we got Reigns taking the night off, and Elix has some stuff to do. But we got Chad Lozan in the house. Say hello to the beautiful people, brother, and tell them what you're drinking tonight. Hello, beautiful people. I'm drinking a Bai, B-A-I, antioxidant infusion Zambia Bing Cherry. Fancy. Wow, that's... Uh, yes. Yeah, that's uh, a mouthful. That, Can we that, guess where Chad lives? 
That is a mouthful. Yeah, Chad lives in California, me thinks. I just That's right, I do. I still have the I still have six and twenty Carolina Roja whiskey with me, but uh I switched over. I just dropped the the uh dragon's milk into the recycling bin. Now I'm drinking a beta brewing uh Mardi Gras Bach. This is some good stuff. It's got Bacchus on the label, so you know it's good. And our special guest tonight, the lovely, the talented, the smarter than all the rest of us, Authentic <laughs> Young, a.k.a. Authy. Authy, what you drinking tonight? And uh, say hello to the beautiful people. Hello, beautiful people. I am, <laughs> thank you for the intro. That was amazing. Um, I'm drinking Moscato. Moscato, or I call it Moscato, but it's Moscato. Nice, very fancy. You got a was that's a Chardonnay, yeah? Or yeah, well, Mm -hmm. I couldn't tell you. Yeah, (laughs) it's uh, it's really good. I was doing Chardonnay, but then I switched it over. So yeah, okay, okay. I don't know enough about wine. I'm a marine. I know wine (laughs) is the thing that you drink when you got nothing else. But uh, it sounds nice. No, it's what you pick first. Oh, okay. (laughs) There you go. There you go. Uh, let's go through the chat here and see who we've got tonight. I want to say hi and call out some people. We've got Load 200, Carbon Wolf, Tweet. There you go, brother. We've got, hey, it's Nick. Hey, Nick. How you doing, brother? We've got Wolf Dragon, Tiger King. Let's see. Uh, me. Hi, me. We got Tragic Blue 21. Uh, let's see. Do, 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 do. Going through, going through, going through. Nomad. Yo, Nomad. I was just talking about you earlier. I was talking about how you like to smoke the reefer and play some old school console games. We got Soul Ripper. We got Kinatas. BC. Hello, hello. Dark Knight. What's up, my brother? Misfit. Lady Raincloud, great to see you tonight. I hope you're feeling well. I love you and I miss you. We all love you and miss you. We got... Marines don't have day. (laughs) You know what? That's true. I'll go with that. I'll go with that. Uh, All right. Uh, Let me try to look through here. Who did I miss from the Twitch chat? We've got Shady Phase. Hello, hello, sir. How you doing, or madam? Winter Mute. Big salute. Uh, Raxla Smaxla. My baby. How you doing? Uh, Let's see. We've got... Going through, going through. Trying to find names. Do-do-do-do. Oh, Sashis, yo, brother, love you. Hope you're having fun out there racing in the verse. Riamar, my man, what's up? Uh, Turns out I'm free tonight. Rain Cloud, come and join us. You know we love you. You're always welcome. Feel free to just pop in the channel. It's all good. You got an open invite always. All right. Uh, so let's get cracking with this. What do we got tonight on tonight's show? Uh, I didn't, I never programmed the thing for the plug. So, you know, like, subscribe, who fucking cares? Uh, we got tonight, we've got 
uh, interview with Authentic Young, a.k.a. Authy. We've got James Webb Space Telescope Data Dump a Palooza and Elon's 711-420. Whoopsie. We're going to talk about Thing a Week. We've got some fantastic special documentaries and BBC special series that you can actually get on YouTube for free anywhere. Don't tell them I told you. We're going to talk about Occupy's Mar Occupy Mars demo. I keep saying that wrong. Of course, what we've been reading this week, Nomansky News and Star Citizen. All this and more, so stay tuned. Pretend I played plugs there. Fuck it. We'll just go. All right. I want to start off with our, our, our uh, intro. Congratulations to Rocket Lab. They launched a Wise Man Looks Ahead, which is uh, NRO uh, satellite. We've got the ESA, first launch of a newly upgraded Vega C rocket uh, with seven different payloads into medium Earth orbit on July 13th at 1313 UTC from Kurao, French Guiana, which is interesting because, because you know, Europe is sort of squished and not a lot of great spots to launch from where you're not putting people in danger. So they launched from French Guiana, which basically... If you go to sort of Brazil, the heart of Brazil, and go straight north, and like the heart of Venezuela, and go straight east, where those lines intersect is a little country called French Guiana, and that's where they launch from. SpaceX launched CRS-25 on Falcon 9 from Slick 39 Alpha at Kennedy Space Center, Florida, Thursday night, uh, literally last night at like 8 o'clock local time a little after midnight utc and china launched Tianlian 2 with a series of relay satellites on july 12th at uh 4 30 utc from zichang all of which we've got here I'll, I'll post this right here and it'll be in the show notes if you're interested in going and checking out those launches for sure go check it out and I see Shadow Wyvern in the chat. Hello, brother. Good to see you. <clears throat> All right. Oh, welcome, welcome, Lady Raincloud. My love, how you doing? What you drinking? Say hello to the beautiful people. Hey, everybody. What's going on? Uh, it's been a couple of weeks, hasn't it? Um, doing good. Doing all right. Uh, after some uh, some illness and some other things going on. But I'm doing pretty good. Just right now, drinking some lemonade because I'm boring like that, I guess. Hey, it's all good in the hood. All right. <clears throat> so those are the launches that we had this week. Let's get on with the interview. Let's start with, wait, let me see if I can get the assets to play right this week. We've got, ba 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 ba. Hmm. Hold on. I didn't program a button for this. So let's go picture in picture full, and then we'll switch over to Authy. <clears throat> so let's start off with our interview of our guest, Authy, AKA Authentic Young. Um, hello. Hello, hello. I'm going to post right now in the chat for anyone who's interested, your website, your Twitch, your Twitter, your Instagram, your YouTube and your TikTok. Man, you are on top of it. I don't like half of those things. Like I have them and I never used them. Um, 
Actually, me too. I usually don't go on TikTok much. And I really should use YouTube more. I don't use that as much as I should. Mm. Okay. So tell us about you, how you came, like, just whatever, anything you want to tell the beautiful people about your life in general and or how you came to content creation, what games you play, what your interests are, whatever. Um, let's see. Well, hey, Ball Bounces, and, and hey, it's Nick. I see you guys out there, so I just wanted to say hi real quick. Um, yeah, I have been playing since I was very, very small, mm. and um, th- my first game was, oh gosh, uh, I used to play on the Atari, so my first game was probably Pole Position or something like that, mm-hmm. and then I really got into Nintendo and um, played a lot of um, Mike Tyson's Punch-Out, and I didn't really like Zelda back then, Mario and Super Mario Brothers, all that stuff, and then whoa, once whoa, I was introduced whoa. to a computer... You, you didn't like Ze- Whoa. Now, don't get me wrong, I, know, I love Mike Tyson's oh, Punch-Out, but you didn't... Now, are you talking about I Zelda didn't. 1 or Zelda Link's yes, Revenge? Zelda 1. Zelda so, 1. Zelda 1 was a little like infuriating, it. a little bit on the, like, some of the... Like, you had to be really good to play Zelda 1. Yes, yes, I agree with that. I didn't, I didn't love it. No, and um, but then once the my husband actually introduced me to the computer. My very first game that I played on the computer was Diablo, mm-hmm. and I loved that game. And then uh, kind of just steamrolled. I play like I since I've always played game. I played a lot of EverQuest, and I'm also like I love space games and mm. space theme things. I love The Expanse. I love Star Trek. I love um, Star Wars. Like I've always been into that kind of stuff. So once. I heard about Star Citizen. That game is the one that I'm playing right now, and I've been playing for six months, and I really, like, it just pulls me in. Yeah. Mm. So basically, me in a nutshell is I've been a gamer all my life, and I am not. I don't see myself stopping. I'm the person that will be plugged into the Matrix when I'm 70 or laying in some goo somewhere. As long as I'm in some game somewhere, I'll be happy. <laughs> Hell yeah. I dig yeah. it. Yeah. I dig it. That's yeah. very, very cool. Look at you. Your website has all this stuff. Where, like you click the contact, and they can just email you. That's that is slick. I oh, have it. Yeah. I have a website, and then I well, <laughs> I I didn't do anything with it. But I was like, oh, someday I'll get to that. Yeah. Yeah. I'm also, I guess I should point out since you, I just saw you put it up. I am a graphic designer as well. So that's uh, I probably saw a little bit of that on there. On Although the, the I'm leaning more towards. Um, probably in the shops. We don't need to go back to that. I didn't even finish that whole thing. Okay. So it's, no, uh, it's very the website cool. is still like a work in progress. I did. <laughs> so you got t-shirts and all. That's very cool. Oh yeah. I have a shop. Yep. Um, that was from the Galactic Gals. There's a group of us girls that hang out in Star Citizen. So just kind of like a kind of fun, fun that, little shirt I made for a thing that we were doing. That shirt has a very kind of uh Charlie's Angels vibe. I dig it. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's it's kind of the vibe that we that we have. Nice. It's fun, yeah. Nice. Yep. And then the other stuff. Let's see. I and then the bottom one. I, that's just something I made an app with uh, with my husband. So. Oh, that's <laughs> that's super awesome. Yeah. He's he's a programmer <clears throat> and I'm a designer. So that's we kind of collided there. Does your husband ever stream with you? That would be so cool. He does. I try to get him on. I make. I ask him to come on once a week. So he usually does Mondays. So oh. he'll be a guest on my Monday streams. Nice. And, uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. And he's he's a lot of fun. That's actually why I started streaming. Before I stream, I also play a lot of board games. I love to host parties. I love to do theme parties. So you'll see, yes. like, I have like a thousand different wigs that I like to do when I'm when I'm actually streaming. 
And when COVID hit, I kind of had like all this energy and it was going inside and that wasn't Mm -hmm. really good for me or anyone that was around me. Mm. So someone had mentioned, have you like ever tried to just hop on Twitch and like let some of that energy out, you know, to the public? Because I can't I can't like entertain right now because I'm, Mm. you know, kind of stuck in the house and we couldn't have people over. I couldn't go anywhere. So I went on Twitch and it has been amazing. Like it's exactly what I needed. I'm. I'm definitely more of a host when it comes to like, I love to host events and you'll see that in my <laughs> gameplay. I'm always like, let's have a party and let's nice. do this like event or let's do this thing. And I'm very, that's like, that's who I am. So it, it really comes out in gameplay. So first off, you and I, before the show, we set up, we have a hot date. You, me, your husband <laughs> and one other person. Yeah. We're going to play, uh, we're going to play, uh, <laughs> o- not Occupy Mars. What's it called? Uh, Terraform Mars. Right. Yep, terraform yes yeah. i cannot wait um because I, I i have that game i bought it on steam and like i have nobody to play it with and i'm sad panda so you me your husband Aww. and one other person we're gonna play terraform mars the board game but we're gonna play it on steam and oh my god i'm so so excited because i literally gave up like i just have it it's a sad game sitting in my steam library of like I have nobody to play this board game with uh-huh. online, so it'll be super, super awesome. But so let's yeah, it's a fun game. Let's talk about so I mean, mostly what we do on the Friday night show, we talk about space games and whatnot. I know you've played some Nautica because we talked about it. I know you've played mm-hmm. some Nomansky because we talked about it, and yep. like your like it seems like a good focus that you have right now is a, a good bit is Star Citizen. Like, tell me about just your experience in different space games and, you know, what you love about Nomansky, what you love about Subnautica, what you love about Star Citizen or and and any other space games that you have that you'd like to recommend or shout out to the crew. Okay. Yeah. So Star Citizen has been a game that I've dreamed about since I've been very small. When I, Well, when I would come home from school and I would watch reruns of Star Trek, the, the original Star Trek. So I've always been that person. I, the first mo- the first star movie I saw was um, Return of the Jedi. And I went and I saw that in the movie theater and that pulled me in. And all of this stuff that was going on has, has always, so I've always had like a, you know, a love for space and adventure. And um, so Star Citizen, when that came out and it was kickstarted and I heard a lot about it, I was like, oh my gosh, this is exactly what I want. So a lot of games don't actually, they do a lot of things wrong. I'm, I'm gonna go on a little bit of a tangent. Like WoW and EverQuest. Okay, you had apartments in EverQuest, but in WoW, you never had a place that you could call your own. And that was something that was really big to me. When you get done like adventuring or something, you wanna be able to go back and drop your stuff off and you know, just feel like a place is your own. And Star Citizen not only has that with apartments that you're going to be able to have in the future, but every ship that you own is exactly that. It's like a it's like a floating RV or, you know, it's just it's amazing. So it has all of those poles. And then the, the graphics are just it's it's just beautiful. Like the whole game is beautiful. Mm. So that was my pull towards um, Star Citizen from the very beginning. And I went in there in like 2019. And when I came in, uh, I was in Area 18 and it was a little bit buggy. Everyone was standing on tables. Their heads were spinning. <laughs> I didn't go on any ships or anything, but I walked around and it, it was cool. But it didn't pull me in. I went and I tried Eve, but that 
Eve was a little bit heavy for me because you were like a, a ship. I spent so much time on my character and then you never got to like actually be your character. And there was a lot of spreadsheets and mining in that game. So then I kind of left Eve and went to No Man's Sky. And I, I love the survival aspect of No Man's Sky because I love survival games too. Like I love Icarus and um, mm. I even played Rust and, you know, I played a lot of survival games and those are, those are a lot of fun too. So I, I love survival games. So that's that pulled me into no man's sky but once i built like a base in no man's sky and i started traveling around to different planets when i played it a year ago maybe a year and a half ago Mm. you couldn't go into someone else's spaceship but you could only be in your own and Mm. uh, i felt like the planets weren't pulling me in enough they weren't they weren't um they felt the same even though they were different every time i went to them nice so no man's sky yeah so that didn't, that, I played it for like three or four months, but then I switched over to like Elder Scrolls and that sucked me in. So I played that for a while. Great game. And then I went back. Yeah. And then I went back to, um, I went to Icarus and I was loving that game for a while. And oh. then our citizen came back into my radar and I hopped in and I actually went to New Babbage for the first time, Orison for the first time and mm. got my first origin ship. And that kind of, I haven't left. Like it's, it's at the point now, in my opinion, that the bugs don't bother me. They're just part of the verse. And on top of the game being where I want it to be to continue to play, the community is amazing. And the people that I've met, I've made like real friends that I'm going to be meeting in a couple of weeks. And I'm very excited about that. So there's so like, cool. there's a lot there. Yeah. And that's, uh, that's me in a nutshell. I play D&D too. I do that every week. I'm a, I play D&D. So I love that whole, like, like, like I mentioned before, Diablo. I played WoW. Like, I like that whole side of things as well. My dream is to basically have, like, Star Citizen, like, something goes wrong with your ship and you land in a place like you do in Icarus. And then you've got to, like, do a mission to put your stuff together and build something to fight the elements and survive <laughs> to get back on your ship and take off. So, you know, I'm, I'm dreaming the big dream. <laughs> All right. So so a couple things I got to ask you on this, and then I'm going to turn it over to Lady Raincloud because I want the two of you to compare and contrast your star citizen background number one okay D. yep what do you play pathfinder do you play 4e 5e 2.5 what do you play oh uh, right now it's five by okay. me i think okay. it is roll okay. 20 um i'm doing a i currently i'm um i'm playing a rogue a halfling rogue so Gives you a little information about my personality. Okay, uh, I gotta know what's your halfling rogue name? Lily. Willie? It's just Lily. It's Lily. Oh, Lily. It's just simple. Lily. Okay. Yeah, simple name. Yeah. Okay. And where is your halfling from? Um. Well, it doesn't. She's just from a little town. Doesn't specifically have a. I mean, I'm sure it has a name, but I never named the town. I have a whole backstory, but I actually didn't name the town. It was just I mean, the town next to a port that we all started in. Where are you adventuring now? Is, is it like Waterdeep area, or is it where, where? Like what? Where? It's a little bit. We're actually doing something different this campaign. I am a swashbuckler, so it's like a little bit. But we're also going to like elemental planes and stuff, so it's very it's homebrewed. So okay, okay. Um, it's it's a it's good. It's fun and, having and, a blast. And what does your husband play? He doesn't play with me. <gasps> I have my own group. Yeah. Oh man. Okay. Okay. <laughs> all right. All right. He has all right. played D and D before, but he's not as much of a gamer as I am. Okay. Um, Fair. Fair. he does game, but I I outgame him by a lot. Like I have to, I'm the one that's like, let's play a game, let's play a game. And he's like, um, we've been playing for seven hours. Could we take a break? 
Fair. Okay, I get it. I get it. Yeah, yeah. All right, let's so. bring let's bring Lady Raincloud into this conversation. LRC, <laughs> let me ask, uh, you, you had some questions with regard to Star Citizen Bonafides and like, you know, your past and her past and whatnot. Go ahead, bring it up. Out of out of sheer morbid curiosity, um, mm. do you happen to know your citizen or backer numbers? Like when you backed? If you backed during the Kickstarter? Yeah. No, it was a, it was in 2020 when the oh. I bought a Titan. Yeah. So it wasn't oh. the Kickstarter. I didn't I didn't do that far. I just knew I don't even know if I knew about it exactly then when the Kickstarter mm. happened. I just mm. remember um, my husband was watching it a little more, so he would bring it up. And then we finally so he he was a backer before me. Mm. I want to say maybe 2016 when he actually backed, but um, I, I took a little longer. That's fine. No, I just was, I was curious because I backed during the, the Kickstarter and I've been with Star Citizen for since November of 2012. Oh my gosh. Here. I have so yeah. many questions. Oh, right? <laughs> this is your interview. All right. No, 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 no. Let's, let's, because I mean, I didn't start until 312. So like, <clears throat> so I backed, in fairness, I backed in like 38. But I didn't have a computer. My computer at that point was like not ready to deal with Star Citizen, so I didn't start playing till three twelve. So, like, go for it, Authy. Ask some questions about you know, sure, the yeah, old fine. ye olden days. Okay. My first question is: so I want a hanger. I haven't been around when there's hangers. Did you mm -hmm. when you first started off? Did you literally start off in a hanger? Yeah. Is that? Mm -hmm. And what yeah, was your very first ship that you got? Uh, my very first ship was actually my Aurora that I bought with the Mercenary LTI Kickstarter tier, which was only $40 way back in the day. Oh my God. And that, so was, to be, that was my first. So to be clear, when you first started, if you were an original backer, you didn't there, have was, nothing. there was only the <laughs> hangar. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. yeah, there was only the hangar, and one of the very first actually usable vehicles that we got in the hangar module, which was the first module that came out, was the little buggy, the little gray cat buggy. Was oh, the, wow. One of the very first vehicles that you could actually get in and like drive around the hangar and stuff. And back during back in my day, when I had to walk to school uphill both ways in the snow, um, <laughs> all we had was the hangar module. And yeah, my first ship was my Aurora. And then I upgraded it to um, the Avenger Titan, and now I've got a Mercury Star Runner and a Connie Andromeda and a Cutlass Red and a 100 and a 300 and I don't know, like, I think I'm like... So would you say the MSR now. is your favorite? Like, is that your, your go-to? No, my Connie. My Connie Andromeda. That's my favorite ship. Oh, nice. I'm, a, I'm an origin girl. I really like the 600... And I ended up buying it during the Fontuna events. I, I bought an A90J. I couldn't help myself. I was like so afraid that I would have to wait until Christmas that I that I went into the, I, I went I went ahead and bought one. I stayed up till four in the morning to make sure that I got that ship because I missed I, it the other wow, two times. Wow. <laughs> wow. I've I've got the one hundred, the three hundred, and the six hundred. The one hundred is my favorite little single single seater. Um I just adore that thing. Most people mm -hmm. think that I, you know, they love the Avenger Titan, but um, my actually my Star Runner is a gift uh, from a friend, and I got gifted the Best in Show edition. So it's the it came Ooh. with like, the blue livery and everything on it. Nice. That, that one's beautiful. My, my, my birthday last year when I turned thirty eight. Yes. Anyway, so. Aww, <laughs> we're like the same, although I'm a little bit older. 
Okay, awesome, <laughs> awesome. Yeah. Okay, what else? Oh, wow. what else That's really cool. So yeah, I, my 300 was my ship that kind of pulled me in. So I mm. love the 300. The only thing that is the problem with the 300 versus the 100 is that I can't pull it on the small pads. So, um, yeah. you know, having a 100 series is great for, for that kind of stuff. Uh, let's see. So the you said that you bought the Aurora. Is that Was mm-hmm. that the only ship available or did you have like options of a couple of ships? There was options uh, depending on the Kickstarter tier. So like the Aurora was the $40 tier and it was mercenary. It was what they called the mercenary tier. Mercenary LTI, lifetime insurance token. And then, you know, there was a lot of... I don't know. I think Chad might, Chad and Kai should know, but I can't remember. We're only like just a few ships that were part of the Kickstarter that aren't in the game right now. Yeah, there's only a couple. There's only, and most of those are capital class. Yeah. Yeah. So like the the Constellation Taurus was a a Kickstarter ship, Mm -hmm. as was the Connie Andromeda, if I remember correctly. Mm -hmm. There were five Connies, I think. Well, no, uh, I think there were... Four. Three, three or four, four in the Kickstarter, and then one was yeah. added soon after, but is was concept for a while. Yeah. Yeah. Because you had like the Phoenix yeah. and the uh, and the Aquila and the Andromeda and the um, Taurus. Mm-hmm. So, and yeah, it just oh, it just yeah. depended. So yeah, there were there were people that you know during the Kickstarter kickstarted for like the Idris and and things like that. Yeah. Oh my gosh, I didn't even know that was that. I I thought the Idris was somewhat new. I didn't know that it was that no. old. Oh, Idris wow. has been around for forever. And oh my gosh. Idris will, I think Idris will be a thing in the game when they get, you know, server meshing sorted. And then, like, not immediately. It's not like, okay, we got A, now flip the switch on B. But, like, I don't think you will ever see Idris player ownable until after server meshing at the very least. Like, it's just not, you know, it's one of those things that it, A, a depends on B kind of thing. Yeah. 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 So you guys, have you watched the Enterprise? Oh, like wait. the whole the Enterprise, like Star Trek. <laughs> yeah. Oh, oh yeah, I love yeah. Enterprise. Scott Bakula, yes, <laughs> yeah. so great. So you know that the decontamination room. Every time the Idris has a decontamination room. It so does. every time someone talks about the Idris, I'm like, oh my gosh, they need to put like a bottle of lotion I in there like, somewhere because I feel like that, uh, yeah. that show. <laughs> I feel like a certain amount of the decontamination procedures were just let's get Jolene Blaylock and Trip in 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 there and let's. Let's get uh, T'Pol and Trip in there rubbing lotion on each other so we can get this. Exactly. Everybody shipping them going. Uh, Fan yeah. service. <clears throat> yeah, I, I mean, I, I, I think, honestly, I think maybe one of the greatest characters in Star Trek is Porthos, which is uh, uh, Commander Archer's dog. dog. Captain Archer's dog, yeah. Yeah, he was in the decontamination room with him one time too. Once, that episode? once, I do, I do. I think honestly, I'll tell you right now, and, and fuck everyone who doesn't agree. I think one of the greatest episodes of all of Star Trek is the episode where they talked about the group of uh, it was three Vulcans that got stuck in the 1950s in like. Shimokin Dam in the coal region of Pennsylvania in like a coal miner town and they had to yes. like sit there for like 30 years and like wait it out until they got rescued. I so I love all of and <laughs> I, 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 I know Enterprise is like an un 
an unpopular choice as a good whatever, but I think that I think Enterprise was a great and B hit its stride right when they like canceled it, and it was like, oh come on, that could have been a great. It could have been <laughs> Enterprise. So like. Yeah. Deep, Deep Space Nine is my favorite Trek, but Enterprise is not all that far behind. It was really good Trek, I thought. That, that theme song, though, that was terrible. Okay, whatever. Fine. <laughs> but like, are you gonna really? Are you gonna really judge Star Trek no, on the theme no, I song? Enjoyed, me, me personally, I enjoyed Enterprise more oh, than yeah. I enjoyed Deep Space Nine or some of the others. That what? Popped. How dare you, yeah. sir? <laughs> nope. No, nope. know. I'm actually gonna go on that boat. I hate to say it, but I'm not a I'm not a um, <gasps> Deep Space Nine fan. Oh <laughs> no! I know. <laughs> okay, so look, your husband still has a shot, but my love for you is gone. <clears throat> All right. Uh, I'm so hurt. I know, so right? Hurt. No, don't get me wrong. There's I, so I many love good Deep, ones. Though. I love Deep Space Nine. I do. I love Deep Space Nine, but like. I mean, I'm sorry. I love Enterprise, but Deep Space Nine. Deep Space Nine is is like Star Trek: Strange New Worlds. I think is my favorite Trek. Me too. Followed oh by my Deep gosh, Space love Nine. That. Followed by Deep Space okay, Nine. Nope. Followed by. No, I disagree. Followed followed by Enterprise. Followed by TNG. Followed by TOS. I I know it's bad, and don't get me wrong. I, I, like, uh, Picard and. Discovery, I think, are decent sci-fi, but they're not Trek to me. It's it's not that it's bad. It's just not Mm -hmm. Trek. Exactly, I agree with that. Orville's more Trek. (laughs) Orville is so much more Trek. Yeah. Oh my God! (laughs) Did you see this week's Orville? We're going to talk about it later. But did you see this week's Orville? I didn't see this week. I'm I'm behind (gasps) on like a couple of shows, and that's one of them. (laughs) I'm going to watch it though this weekend. I catch up. It hurts my heart. (laughs) All right, all right. We got to get into real life science because we're 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 hanging out and we're just woo. Time is flying by. Real life science. So let's start off by let me go to here and then let's go to the picture in picture. There we go. Um. So, capstone. Here it is. Um. It is at this point in a super weird orbit. Uh, capstone is if you look here it's in an orbit that's literally going away from the moon but as we remember as we talked about last week it's a near rectilinear halo orbit it's going to go to the earth moon lagrange point two and then after it hits the earth moon lr2 it's going to slingshot back in an almost straight line back to where the moon is located at that point it's going to go across the north pole of the moon every seven days which means that it is going to have a good vantage point of the south pole of the moon for most of the time which is both the north and south poles are where we're looking for liquid water specifically in the south pole in the shadow of Shackleton Crater, they're looking for liquid water. So this NRHO elliptical or nearly near rectilinear halo orbit is going to give them a very good vantage point. It's going to give any rockets from the Earth a very good, easy burn to get to 
the Earth Lunar LR2, Lagrange Point 2, so they can dock with and then ride for free to the moon where they will detach just in time to intersect the moon in a, uh, what is it, polar orbit at the South Pole orbit <clears throat> so that they can mine for ice. Obviously, nothing is going to be intersecting with Capstone 2. It's a, uh, what do you call it? It's a, 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 a satellite that's the size of microwave. But the point is that if they can, if they can use this to prove that the NRHO orbit is stable for the moon, then that is what they're going to launch the gateway uh, space station on. And that is like sort of the whole point. <clears throat> so that's what Capstone is doing. Keep in mind, Capstone was launched by Rocket Labs, the New Zealand company that relocated their headquarters to the U.S. so that they could get the uh, um, sort of, uh, what do you call it, the, 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 the spy satellite contracts, which is exactly what they just launched a couple of days ago, um, you know, this week. And they're gonna, they've got another one that will be launching before the end of the month for, again, for the National Reconnaissance a satellite, you know. Um, so, Caps, uh, sorry, Rocket Lab, who is delivering Capstone to the NRHO orbit for the moon, also said flat out, hey, we're going to have extra uh, propulsion in our delivery bus for this satellite. And after we deliver the capstone satellite into nrho we're gonna do a special mission we haven't you know it's top secret we haven't announced it yet we'll announce it after capstone gets where it needs to go so look for the next two weeks some announcement from rocket labs of what the hell they're gonna do with this bus it'll be awesome i'm excited <clears throat> uh in addition to that obviously as we zoom out, we can see that we've got, if you go super close to the earth, you know, you can see there's the dart. You can see there's the Parker solar probe. As we get closer into the earth, there is the uh, Hubble, which is basically right on the earth. Um, so yeah. And then out in the Grange Point, we've got the James Webb Space Telescope. Let's talk about it. <clears throat> James Webb. This week, we got the initial data dump from the James Webb Space Telescope. Anybody interested in tracking Parker, Hubble, or the JWST? Here are the links. They're going in the chat now. <clears throat> uh, let's see. Do, 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 do. There we go. Hey, Patches McFluffy. Good to see you, brother. <clears throat> uh, so those are the tracking links for each of those uh, vehicles. Now, getting on to James Webb. <clears throat> 
So. <sighs> last Christmas, the James Webb Space Telescope launched. And we got five images uh, this week that were the initial images. The first is SMACS Max 0723. There is the image there, which is amazeballs. Keep in mind, like, you might see this and go, okay, it's pretty, but, like, what? I don't, mm, eh. That's because you're not an astrophysicist. Astrophysicists are taking this, and the James Webb Space Telescope is in, uh, like, it had four different sensors that are going, and they're pulling up infrared, they're pulling up, they're using uh, spectroscopy to pull up uh, red shifting and ultraviolet light and all of these different um, spectrums that you don't see there. You just see a really pretty picture. And they're saying, hey, look, there's nitrogen here. There's oxygen here. There's helium here. There's whatever there. And it's pretty amazing. Uh, let's see. Looking through... The rest of these pictures, there were five pictures in the original data dump. We've got also this picture here, which is the Carina Nebula, a.k.a. the Cosmic Cliffs. Um, Webb took a, an image of the same uh, sort of area, but was unable because Webb, or sorry, Hubble is a optical satellite. Hubble doesn't have the ability to shift into the ultraviolet spectrum or the infrared spectrum the way that Webb does. And so you've got way more detailed information with regard to those nebulas. Basically, what you're seeing where you see those clouds, those are dead stars spitting out oxygen, hydrogen, helium, nitrogen, etc. And... <clears throat> Scientists are able to look at those, run it through a spectrograph, check the difference in the redshift and etc. things that are way smarter. I, I, I'm not smart enough to really give you a real answer on this shit, but they're able to look through and see, okay, we're seeing these uh, elements that are present and that tells us stuff about <clears throat> the ages of the galaxies from there the stars that spit out the material, possibly other stars or black holes that are pulling in that material and what that can lead to. <clears throat> then we've got here a very cool picture, which is Stefan's Quintet, which is five different galaxies and scientists, astrophysicists are going through and measuring the interactions between those galaxies and, you know, you can see there sort of central to that. There's a binary. There's literally two galaxies that are ripping each other apart. And then they're interacting with that third galaxy to the north. And then that fourth galaxy that's sort of over westish. I don't know, man. Uh, I'm going to post a link here in just a second for some people that can explain this way better than me. But I've watched all of the videos and they're amazeballs um let me pull through the recording booth here and see if you want a small education on the orbit yes hop in lady rain cloud oh um <clears throat> well first thing on the uh actually on the james webb first i guess for those sure. that 
want to know, so the James Webb has four specific <coughs> instrumentation pieces on it. Mm -hmm. This is part of what we call the ISIM, the Integrated Science Instrumentation Module. That is the near cam, which is the near infrared camera, uh, mm -hmm. which is an infrared ranging camera. You've got the near spec, which is the near infrared spectrograph, um, which, as Kai said, conducting spectro uh, excuse me, spectroscopy. Um, the mid infrared instrument and the fine guidance sensor and near infrared imager and stillus spectrograph, or the FGS nearest, as that's called. Um, so, the James Webb Space Telescope, for those that don't know, is I think the most expensive telescope by a long shot we've ever built. It's also the single most advanced <coughs> telescope that we've ever built by a long shot. And we're able to now see things as as Kai brought up where NASA can look at the 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 the, the spectrography, all these sensors and inputs and they can be like, "Oh wait, there might be something here. There might be cuz a lot of the other thing to realize is over 70% of the James Webb's mission is actually going to be studying local exoplanets within, um, you know, like the, the I think like 50 to 100 light years of Earth. So they're going to be studying, doing, like pointing the telescope here locally as well. And the cool thing is, is they can they can get information based off of the light that's being bounced back and say like oh there's a, there's a planet there that might have oxygen like an un, like a breathable atmosphere and things like that the other thing about the uh the the orbit by the way for those that don't know is this is also an extremely experimental orbit um it's you know supposed to decay the moon's hill sphere as we call it is about 60,000 kilometers the hill sphere is a range of what we call gravitational dominance which is you know where a a, a body can exert gravitational influence on another body that's in orbit and the interesting thing about the NRHO orbit is um, the par part of it being near rectilineal is the fact that it's the <coughs> sides of its orbits are much, much longer. Um, it's an extremely, like, we, we call eccentric and elliptical orbit. And it's going to help, as already brought up, it's going to help us test and see, like, you know, solutions to the three-body problem, uh, solutions to putting spacecraft um, in better Lagrange orbits, how the lunar gateway is going to work. So lots of really cool space stuff. And yeah, that's that's it for me. Okay. Very cool. And awesome. And so there we have also here the last image here. And I showed you the Southern Ring Nebula, which I'm sure everyone's seen in the original Hub, uh, Hubble Space Telescope. You basically saw the one star in the stellar nursery in the new uh, James Webb Space Telescope, which let's just call it Webb, because like that's a mouthful, JWST. Let's just call it Webb. With Webb, you see that there's actually the two stars. It's the one star that has gone white dwarf, and the other star that is sort of picking up matter from the stellar nursery, which is super interesting that it was a binary system, which is changing, you know, that right there along with several other things that we saw in those five images is changing our understanding of the universe literally changing our understanding of rudimentary astrophysics which is amazeballs the last shot and this one i think doesn't get enough respect from people the last shot was actually um a breakdown of wasp 96b now let me just explain to people who might not get the um, the 
amazingness that is this this image because this is a graph and a lot of people go like well the other ones had pretty stars this one's just lines okay this is let me for just a second let me explain to you because this is going to blow your fucking mind a star that we see that's hundreds of light years away is literally just a little teeny tiny point of light and then what astrophysicists have used to say oh there's an exoplanet there is called the transit method which is basically imagine a little teeny tiny point of light far far away and then it dims for just a little teeny almost unobservable amount for you know whatever it, it dims for a few hours or a day scientists physicists are putting together that that is a planet that is transiting in front of that star which is causing an infinitesimally small like you wouldn't even notice it without a computer dimming of that little teeny tiny point of light that already to me is like oh fuck you you're lying you can't do that but they can do that now imagine the earth right the earth is pretty big to us because it's the earth you know but uh imagine just the little teeny bits on each end of the earth that is not where there's earth but where there's atmosphere so if you imagine something the size of your fist the atmosphere around it seems like the width of I don't know, whatever, like two or three times the width of your fingernail. It's infinitesimally small on a thing that's infinitesimally small that's moving in front of a thing that's infinitesimally small. But that's literally what they're doing. They're saying the light from the star, most of it is blocked by the planet. But just a smidge, just the lightest smidge of a smidge of that goes around the sides of the planet so it doesn't get blocked by the planet but it goes through the atmosphere and when it goes through the atmosphere ridiculously fucking infinitesimally small wavelengths of light get blocked by certain elements and we can mark oxygen and nitrogen and carbon and phosphine and carbon dioxide we can mark these wavelengths of light so that's what you're seeing on the screen in front of you right now that's wasp 96b and because like i literally had to watch like four hours of astrophysicists explaining this before it got through my thick skull they're saying that on the just not noticeable amount with the human eye of dimming that occurs when a planet transit in front of the star if you just pull the one percent on either side of that that is the atmosphere that is not the planet itself because the planet blocks the light completely but the little teeny bits on the edges is the atmosphere and if you block the wavelengths of light out that get stopped by oxygen helium 
nitrogen, carbon, etc. We're able to make this complex graph to say, and this is how this is changing science. Literally, there was a brilliant dude, a thousand times smarter than I will ever be, astrophysicist genius that wrote this whole report before that said this planet that transits in front of its star this planet is a hot jupiter this planet is a gas giant like jupiter but it's closer to its star than mercury and as a result it's like 40,000 whatever degree it's stupid hot and he literally said and this guy is like a guy that's been recognized as a genius for decades said, you could never get clouds, you could never get water vapor on a planet like that because it's too hot and it's too close to its star. Well, guess what, bro? This spectrograph just says, fuck your theory, wrong. start over. And that's a beautiful thing about it. And I'm not trying to shit on that guy because like, He's smarter than I'll ever be, but that's the beautiful thing about science. Science doesn't give a fuck. Science will say, new data, who this? Figure it out. And that guy, I'm sure, will go on, and, and, and many other men and women that are you know, in this field, they will gladly take this data that proves their big report that they spent a year in their doctoral thesis on wrong and go, Awesome. I'm glad I know I was wrong because they worship their religion isn't Christianity or Buddhism or Islam. Their religion is the truth. And whenever something new data comes up, that's like, hey, the shit you thought you th knew, you didn't know new data reevaluate. They'll go, OK, and pull up their suspenders and roll up their sleeves and get to fucking work and figure out how all this shit works. So this spectrograph right here, not spectrograph, this uh, data, this chart right here, because the spectrograph is the other thing, but whatever the hell this is, this this reading that comes from the atmosphere of, of literally saying there's water molecules and this planet transits its star every four days like 4.5 days they can go back in 4.5 days and get another reading and this time go for nitrogen or next time go for phosphine or next time go for whatever and they can learn every time new stuff about this hot jupiter which can tell it which can tell them not only stuff about how just the galaxy works but stuff about how life works this thing right here and i know that the other shit right here, all of the stuff, this and this and this and this are all prettier to you and me, us monkeys that don't understand shit. But this right here, this chart shit is going to be what tells scientists what the best chance for finding life in the galaxy is. And that shit right there blows my mind, but that is what the exoplanet scientists are super excited for. Now, I posted a link to you of the James Webb Space Telescope Wiki, the NASA announcement with the data dump, the Time Magazine article that explains the five images to people that are not, you know, astrophysicists, 
two videos from one of my favorite people on the planet, Dr. Becky, who is an amazing astrophysicist. And her first reactions and then her like, hey, I've had a chance to study this for a day. Here's what this means. Anton Petrov, who was a beautiful human being, who fucking, he has his What the Math channel that gets into details on all of this. And Scott Manley, one of my favorite people on Earth, who talks about how the new space telescope images show that James W James Webb Space Telescope, or Webb as we're just going to call it from now on, is a game changer. All right, I feel like I've been talking for way too long. Uh, let me check on the channel and let's bring people into this conversation. And if people haven't typed anything, well, I'm going to just call on you because I this is too big. I need you guys to get in on this. Let's start with Authy. What do you think about all this? It's crazy, right? It's crazy. Yeah, all the images and everything that are coming in are blowing my mind. I mean, if you've been around when you watched the Hubble go off and, you know, that was an exciting time. And mm. then having all of this new data come in, you know, you kind of like fill in the blanks back in the day with information. And this just it just really is. Um, it's amazing. It's an amazing time. It is. A lot of times when I see these pictures, I go straight into my whole Star Trek feeling and want to be on the back of my 890J just looking at nebulas and everything. So I, it's it's an amazing time. Yeah. I'm loving it all. Hell yeah. Wolf, what do you think? So I really love um, the first image you showed where they have the Hubble image beside the new JWST image of the same location. And just showing what the technology for doing that has done since the time of Hubble is just jaw-droppingly astonishing. Mm. Rain cloud. Hop in on this I one. I think to put this into perspective for people, the Hubble Space Telescope is like the first photography we ever had. Mm. James Webb Space Telescope, the JWST, is like a four megapixel modern 8x zoom, three billion color, just absolute like technological marvel. Hmm. And the thing about science, Carl Sagan once said that science is more than a body of knowledge. It's a way of skeptically looking at the universe. And the part of that being is accepting new data when it comes in and being willing to change your theories and your hypothesis when that new data comes in. And this image right here from the nearest system is doing exactly that. Because if you've ever been out to sea, because those of you know that I was in the Navy, you know, we carry people like Kai around, taxis, right? Mm -hmm. um, one of the most amazing periods of my life is being out to sea, hundreds and hundreds of miles out to sea, and seeing the entirety of the Milky Way, just billions upon billions of stars and galaxies from horizon to horizon. Mm. And if you've ever wondered why stars twinkle, that's why, because they they have something moving in front of them. Oftentimes, it's a planet. This is, as Kai put it, and I agree wholeheartedly, a game changer. Because now we can see through the new data with the nearest system and everything else that, wait a minute, there, there not only is a planet transiting the star, but it's an Earth-like. Imagine that. Imagine the day that we find another planet within a few light years orbiting another star and it potentially could be like earth mm. or even like mars or venus 
or even something else, you know, something we find out more information about subjovians, we find out more information about, you know, super hot Jupiters and things like that. To me, science is is about looking at the universe with sheer awe and wonder and asking just never ending questions because nine times out of 10, you're going to ask a question and get an answer and the answer is going to spark 10 more questions. Mm. <laughs> so, right on. That's me. I, I think this is fantastic. These images are some of the most beautiful images that we've ever seen of space. And I don't know how people can't. I'm the kind of person that goes outside and looks up at the stars and wonders how how you can't just be awestruck and one and, and, and just wonder what's out there. So I think Afi and I share that in common. Chad. hundred percent. Right on. Yeah, I saw the James Webb stuff. It's amazing that the before and afters, it's like <laughs> RTX off, RTX on. <laughs> the, the difference in That's quality and fidelity, <laughs> and fidelity between what was Hubble and what is James Webb is uh, mind blowing. So I mean, and this is just like this is like the first day, right? Not not to talk shit. Hubble is an amazing telescope. It's great. It's fantastic. It represents the best of its time, but it was an yeah. optical-only telescope. With James Webb, you can see into the infrared spectrum and into the ultraviolet spectrum, and you have better tools for spectroscopy even within the visual spectrum. So it's just a situation of there's just more there. What do you think, Tweaked? Well, not, not much that hasn't already been said, really. The, the pictures are just mind-blowing. They really spark the imagination, kind of eye-opening, really. What really struck me is just like what you all said, was the Hubble was you know, a marvel of technology when it was released and sent up there, and it was the be-all, end-all that we had. And, and to see the technology move forward so greatly and to time that with the shuttle or the, I guess, the rockets going up and coming back down and being able to land and reuse and all the technology that we're coming up with over the last couple of years in the space game. Mm. It's, it's, it's exciting seeing that we're finally taking a step forward. Awesome. Now, all right, I'm going to bring up something and I want to be very, very, very careful in how I bring this up with regard to the, 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 the subject of James Webb. I am a huge fan of web. I think it is an amazing thing. But I have some criticisms. <clears throat> and here's what they are. It's not to the scientists at all. I love what they're doing. It's to the fact that the entire way that we do anything in space right now has to go through the bureaucracy, the bullshit... Congress and whatever laden program. When <clears throat> Bush stood on the steps of the Smithsonian and said, we are going to, on the 25th anniversary of the successful, you know, Apollo moon landing on Apollo 11, he said, we're going to go back to the moon and we're going to go to the Mars and we're going to go to beyond and we're going to do all this stuff. <clears throat> he literally put together a blue ribbon committee who uh, they created a report called the 90 day report because uh, it took 90 days for them to sit down and work it all out. And they had all the contractors together, uh, Lockheed Martin and Boeing and everybody was involved. <clears throat> and they said, okay, 
Mr. Bush, Mr. President, you say you want to go back to the moon and then you want to go to Mars and then you want to go to beyond. Here's what's going to take. It's going to take 35 years. It's going to take $45 billion to start, $450 billion in total to get this done. And that killed everything. Likewise, with regard to web, <clears throat> this whole thing started, if you look here under bah, 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 cost and schedule issues. When web was originally talked about it was in the late 80s it was literally 1989 was the first time somebody talked about it they talked about it as the super z telescope i don't know why they had that name but they had that name and they said this is going to be a thing that's going to cost anywhere from five to maybe even as much as eight billion dollars and take a decade or like five to ten years to do by the time the entire program was done it took us a massive amount of money the total budget was 10 billion dollars and it took a total of about 30 years to get everything all worked out and to get it up now part of that was because they went under the standard program of Every contractor got in on, you know, it's got to do this, it's got to do that, it's got to do this, it's got to do that, and just ran up the cost and ran up the time scale. Part of it was due to the fact that when you're talking about launching something the size of web, you know, web isn't the size of web. Web was launched much, much more compact and had to go through a several hundred step process of expanding out and getting all set up because we have a shitty launch system of, according to the official government system of the you know sls that you know it's it's it, the fairings aren't as wide so it has to like you know transformer itself out whatever if you were to use the system of say starship with the nine meter wide fairings you could pretty much launch a web as is without it having to fucking robot around and and save hundreds of steps and save a lot of money and a lot of time. The point that I'm saying, absolutely, Alex the Dong, the Alabama Mafia. We've talked about this many times on the show. The Alabama Mafia, for those who don't know, uh, Huntsville uh, is a l massive rocket center. It's where most of the, well, a good chunk of of the contractors that handle, uh, you know, sort of rocket launched systems are based out of. That's where a lot of the engineers are. And the Alabama Mafia is this thing, which is Senate appropriations, where in Congress <clears throat> they tie up anything that doesn't pay off their people. So instead of engineering a thing to work as best as possible for as little cost as possible they do the exact opposite they engineer a thing not because it will work best but because it will pay off the right people in the right congressional districts so that congress will allow the money to go forward and you end up with this bullshit so the 30-day report said, in order for us to make a rocket to go to Mars, it's going to take us 30 years and $450 billion. 
Elon Musk says, that's cool. I'm going to do it in less than six years, and I'm going to do it at a cost of about $1 billion. The point that I'm making here isn't that Web is a failure because of the lack of good intentions by the scientists involved. Those guys are all top-notch and deserve absolutely every bit of love and respect. But we need to get Congress the fuck out of this. We need to get the government out of this. We need to open up... Or, or if you're not going to get the government out of this, let's at least restructure NASA such that they do what actually is focused on the mission as opposed to focus on paying off Lockheed Martin, Boeing, uh, you know, all, TRW, all of these guys who just have massive, massive contracts that go nowhere. I think that as amazing as Webb is, and it is absolutely amazing, I think we need to be launching one of these every year or two, and they need to be properly funded they need to be so like web and hubble both are generalist satellites we need to have special telescopes that are focused on just exoplanets just you know uh galaxy spectroscopy just this just that we can do it for one fiftieth the cost if we do it smart and we need to get the the, the politics bullshit out of NASA and get it moving in the right direction. All right, let me check the recording booth. Nobody has put in a dot. Does anybody have anything on this? Specifically, I'm looking at you, Raincloud. I know you've got thoughts with regard to this. Um, well, I mean, you know I don't necessarily agree with you on, on everything, but when sure, it comes fine. to this... Um, no, I see, I see your points, right? But I also think that there is something to be said for ensuring safety and ensuring a multi-mission vehicle over several single-mission vehicles. Um, you know, and it, it is, it is again, I, I continuously go back to the thing that, you know, Elon is not actually the guy who designed the Falcon rocket. That's a completely mm -hmm. different person. Mm -hmm. um, he, he loves to take credit for a lot of things. And there's, you know, hundreds of thousands, hundreds if not thousands of people working at SpaceX so I am um, I'm, I'm a firm believer in what SpaceX is doing, and I'm a firm believer that, you know, we need to be doing whatever we can to get space exploration. I'm also a firm believer uh, in, in getting Congress to leave NASA the hell alone and give them the budget they need to do their work. Um, and I will agree that at times NASA, NASA has that issue of they'll take six years to ten years to design a thing before they ever even start testing it because they're so terrified of you know situations like when we had the the the, the shuttle incidents right with um with challenger and um discovery and i think yeah, it was discovery wasn't it columbia mm -hmm. columbia, columbia and right, challenger right. yeah yeah columbia and challenger and you know the whole issue of getting the apollo astronauts home and things like that so but the one thing i think i don't agree on is um multiple single mission vehicle launches i would rather have a robust multi-mission vehicle with the payload, with the sensor capacity to do as much work as possible. <clears throat> but I would also like more of them. So I actually am a believer of, okay, well, JWST, the web's up there. How long until we put another one up there? Hmm. Let's let's get that redundancy. Let's get multiple multi-mission vehicles up 
doing the data, doing the science. There's obviously a lot of things to take into consideration, such as like data download rates and like, you know, how fast, you know, the, the time dilation and how fast things take to travel and overloading the DSN and things like that. But I still think we need to be doing multi-mission vehicles in several of them specifically for redundancy. And so, you know, we can have one web scope pointed out and one web scope focused here on the Milky Way and hmm. go from there. But that's just my kind of viewpoint on it. Right on. Wolf? Yeah, I've got uh, ab- absolutely uh, nothing but agreement um, for Lady Rain's point about how like, Elon's the face. He takes the credit, but he would be absolutely nothing without the tens of thousands of people working for him to get the job done. Um, and sure. on the on the thing with the Alabama Mafia and whatnot and who gets paid and how much and all that, like, the other thing to, to realize is that's an exorbitant amount of money getting paid to these contractors and they're making literally the minimum viable product and it's close enough for government work and I, mm-hmm. it just irritates the hell out of me. We could do so much better, and oh look, private industry is demonstrating so. I agree. All right, that takes us to uh, the next real-life science subject, which is Elon Musk's whoopsie. So here you see it on the screen. SpaceX has an oopsie. The Raptor 2 engines being used for the first time on an orbital flight for Starship have a much more efficient but also more complicated startup procedure. While testing the pre-flow levels of the engines for Booster 7 on July 11th at 4.20, you cannot make this shit up. The cryogenic hydrogen and methane fuel flush through the system, combined with oxygen present in the air and obviously found some small spark, which resulted in a fairly substantial explosion. Luckily, the explosion did not ignite into the tanks, which would have caused an explosion of an entire booster, which would have been multiple orders of magnitudes worse. The explosion was felt as far away as South Padre Island, where residents remarked that it felt like a truck had slammed into their house. Thankfully, damages were limited. Starbase, uh, that was on slick, uh, was on the slick nearby, did not appear to suffer any, uh, I'm sorry, Starship, I said it wrong, did not appear to suffer any damage. Both Booster 7 and Stage 0, the launch pad, looked to be in surprisingly good condition after the event. SpaceX let the booster drain out the rest of its fuel and safely, within a a few small uh, 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 fires occurring over the next hour or so, after the initial blast, uh, that seemed to have little effect. Upon inspection, the next day it was detected, or it was decided that the to effect repairs on the platform and remove Booster 7 back to the high bay nearby for a thorough safety inspection uh, and effect repairs that may be needed. Speculation for the cause of the blast include, number one, previously testing hadn't involved 33 engines, that many all at once for sure can lead to an excess of combustible gas. Number two, winds may have been exceptionally light at the day, causing the gases to not dissipate as well as they had in the past. And number three, the shrouds for that many boosters also help to keep gases 
more confined and therefore more combustible than they previously had been. So let's see here one second. Um, In a tweet later, Elon stated that they had learned from the mistake and would not be looking to run through that type of test with all 33 engines again. In addition, he also added that they will set up sparks under the engine section to ensure that all the leaking sources of hydrogen burn off in a smaller fireball instead of like building up to one massive fireball causing an explosion. The FAA said that they were in close communications with SpaceX on the matter, but that as it was not part of a launch attempt, that they would have no basis to open up an investigation. It's expected that this will that this occurrence could push Starship uh, first orbital launch attempt from July, which was always a bit dubious, into August at the least. When looking to test a brand new rocket body design along with 33 brand new engines that are not of a derivative design, but rather an entirely new conceptual design, which is Methalox full flow stage combustion, and a rocket being the single largest rocket that has ever been attempted to launch on its first orbital flight, it's far better to play it safe and proceed with caution. Anybody want to hop in with thoughts on this one? Uh, yeah. There you go, Wolf. Yeah, the uh, description of the blast, um, like two things popped into my head. One was a, um airborne detonated fuel air bomb. Um, which makes a giant concussive wave, which we had fuel, we had oxidizer, and we had oxygen from the atmosphere, so that seems exactly like it should be. And if anybody has no idea what that is, if uh, you were ever in chemistry class and the teacher, professor, whoever it was up in the front, had that balloon with two-thirds hydrogen, one-thirds oxygen, boom, and then brought that candle over from 10 feet away, yeah, it shakes the room. Yeah, shit goes... Shit goes hypergolic real quick. Yeah, yeah. All right. Yeah, I would say this is just kind of like what I was talking about earlier, right? Is uh, the double-edged sword of having government oversight is that everything has, you know, 50 bajillion systems and procedures to go through. The double-edged sword of not having that is stuff like this, where, okay, why did this happen? And then, of course, you know, SpaceX comes out and says why it happened. And you kind of have to ask, well, why'd you do it in the first place? Like, and the the big question is, okay, well, if you're never going to test this many engines and this configuration ever again, how are you going to get Starship in the air when the booster needs this many engines to go skyward? So to be clear, they were doing a pre-flow test where they wouldn't actually do this ever on a launch. This is a pre-flow test where they were just pushing through the pre-stage burner of the fuel side not the oxidizer side in a real launch this wouldn't yeah this was but you you bring up a good point where it's like you don't want to overly restrict the ability for the engineers to test things but you don't want to leave it willy-nilly where shit can go sideways either that's an excellent point well it's like you know um uh jurassic park we were so busy asking if we could, we never stopped to ask if we should. And that's the issue when you've got these types of situations where if you let people run rampant, 
engineers are crazy. <laughs> they'll they'll be like, "Ooh, I want to try it," and then they'll blow up a building by accident. Like, yeah, you know, I'm sure you know uh, Wolf works with engineers. He knows. He Wolf, yeah, Wolf is an engineer. He's a big uh, guy. Well, you know, Wolf, uh, um, <laughs> we're we're not exactly that gung ho, but uh, to to quote Kai, shit happens when you party naked. Hey, that's that's a marine <laughs> quote. That's not meant to be. That should not apply to rocket engines. I used to shoot people for a living. I'm not that bright. You should be smarter. You worked at NASA. All right. Uh, I want to give a huge shout out. Speaking of smart people, I want to give a huge shout out to my brother Colossal in the chat, who I see is here. We love to see you. We love to see all the soul citizens. Um, all right. Anybody else have anything on uh, Elon's little oopsie before we move on yeah. to thing a week? Go ahead. Yeah, uh, Elon. SpaceX has always uh, adopted the fail fast mantra, right? They try something, doesn't work. Iterate, try it again. Iterate, try it again. Iterate. But at a certain point, you're playing with such a large firecracker that if something goes horribly wrong, then the consequences are much worse mm -hmm. than just a single engine test and. SpaceX is reaching that maturity level where they have to think about this stuff more carefully before they just like put like before they go like push the button and see what happens. To be um, now, to be fair, this was not craziness on their part, and I agree with you 100% because if you look at the amount of this is the largest rocket that humans have ever attempted to launch. The you know previous to this, the largest rocket would probably be the the N1 which the Soviets attempted to launch on the way to the moon. And, you know, they had one explode that caused massive damage to the surrounding countryside in Kazakhstan. And that was devastating. And, and South Padre Island, you know, you've got really rich people that are living on beachside resort territories in mansions that is not that many miles away so they cannot and i think elon understands they can't afford to screw around like that if you notice previously with, with with the raptor you know with with the falcon 9 they were just launching like crazy and if it exploded it exploded that was way smaller than this rocket this rocket is mahoosive in comparison and they're being much more careful in general this obvious situation as an aside Authy. well i have a couple things to say one sure. i would love to chat with lady rain cloud sometime because you have so much information about this kind of stuff and you all do but um i would love to chat with you sometime about some of the things that you've been talking about sure um but uh i have to say i personally i'm behind the whole try like keep trying and mm -hmm. even if there's mistakes i i feel like even when even when the government is there, like NASA has had some serious mistakes, obviously in the 80s, some serious stuff went down with uh, some shuttles, as we all know. Mm -hmm. And this kind of stuff just it comes it comes with the whole beginning phase of us going into space like mm. accidents are going to happen. And I would prefer to see this kind of stuff going on and accidents happen just to see the progression go. Mm. Like, I feel like if there's too much um, pressure on you know this kind of stuff they might stop pushing the limits so we can get out into space before there's too much junk floating around for us to even have before we can even get out there i mean there's mm. so much to this like i don't like the idea of 
I would like us to be sending a lot more money to the government so we could be doing this more safely. And I don't like it to be capitalized and all that. I, I just don't. There's so many there's so many things that we could dig into there. But I just love the idea that um, there are, you know, there's SpaceX. I think there's something called like Virgin Galactic or something, yeah. something so like that. There's and Virgin, there's Blue Origin, there's Rocket Labs, there's plenty. Relativity. Yeah. 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 I mean, I hate that there's a bunch of billionaires like with money just trying to like be the first one up there. But at the same time, I mean, they're pushing. There's like people in China that are trying to put bases on the moon right now that I just mm. read about recently. Like there's so much stuff going on and it's going to be a little... A little bumpy, but I want to see that progress. Like I've been waiting so long that it excites me to see the progress, even when there's mistakes like this. Absolutely. So that's yeah. That's. I think my I only say. thing is, uh, let's push forward without sacrificing more life than is absolutely necessary. Absolutely, mm -hmm. I agree mm -hmm. that hundred percent. That's the idea, but when you're playing with this kind of fire, these these things are just inherently dangerous. So there's going oh, yeah, to be accidents. There's going to be loss of life when you're trying to venture out into space. Not to make light of the accidents or anything, but I think you just have to expect that it's going to happen. And to be clear, and to be clear, this was a situation where there was some. Um, cryogenic hydrogen slash methane fuel that lit no one was harmed nope it caused some property damage the people that it caused property damage to were a hundred percent the people who were responsible for the test they'll pay for the damage and move on so long as no one is harmed I do kind of tend to lean towards Authy's side of, hey man, let them play. Let's let's pray that. Now, if you get in a different situation where there's an N1 type explosion and and human beings die, all right. Well, now some motherfuckers gotta take responsibility for that shit. But but I I also see Rain's point of like, hey, let's stop it before it gets to that point too. Well, well, you know, Miko, oh. I was a corpsman, you know, so mm -hmm. I can't help it, right? I gotta, mm -hmm. it, it's in that to save people, so. 100%. Well, I, I think it's, I think it's very important, uh, very important to point out that, you know, this is, this is a developmental cycle. They're doing developmental testing. They are taking the precautions to keep the people out of the way so the shit goes sideways. No one gets hurt or the likely, the likelihood of somebody getting hurt is extraordinarily low. If you don't find things wrong, if you don't uncover problems in developmental testing, quite simply, the testing is inadequate. You're not so, adventurous enough at that point. Yeah. While, while, yeah, it, you know, they had a thing, an unintentional uh, explosion. Um, <clears throat> they're gonna learn from it. All right. All right, we got to move on because, man, we got and, – and I knew we were going to – this this week is a big week for real-life science, but we're going to move on to thing a week. Let's talk about some TV. In this particular case, let's talk about right there. On YouTube, there is available a BBC docudrama series about the early days of the space race – and highlighting the participation of Von Braun, Korolev, Glushko, and Kuznetsov, the BBC Space Race. This was a series that was put out in 2005. There's four episodes. They're 50 minutes long. 
They're free on YouTube to all of the beautiful human beings around the world. I'm telling you, there's the links. They will also be in the show notes afterwards. I'm serious. Go click on the first one and save it and watch it later. This is an amazing story. So well told. Von Braun was working, you know, first for the Nazis, then for the Americans on his side of things. He never knew who his main adversary, uh, Korolyov, was. Korolyov is a weird situation because he was buddies with Glushko when they were younger and they were sending up rockets. And when Stalin started the pogroms and the purges, they started torturing uh, elites to sort of try to, you know... <laughs> like what I don't know whatever find who is the person that's guilty for not being you know ideologically pure Glushko rolled on his buddy Korolyov who was the, the like their version of of Werner von Braun he was their father of their space program Glushko got him sent to a prison for six years then they sprung Korolyov out because they needed his expertise, told him that it was Glushko that ratted on him, and then made the two of them work together, which was, it turns out, not ideal. This is such an amazing story of pathos. And then later, when <clears throat> Glushko, who let's, so Korolyov was a genius and was behind all of the you know, when, when they were ahead of us, when they got Sputnik up first, when they got Laika the dog up first, when they got uh, um, uh, Yuri Gagarin up first, they were ahead of us on everything. And that was all Korolyov. But later, after Korolyov finally died, it was Glushko that was the, the father of the RD-70 engine. And later, that's literally the engine that the RD-80, which is still used today on the Soyuz crafts, was based off. This guy was also a genius. And Kuznetsov was a sort of a pawn in their games between the two older men. But later on, it, on his own, became an amazing designer and rocket like creator. Like, holy shit. Like, this is an amazing story. Like, this, there's only, they made four episodes of this as a TV show. It's 50 minutes long, so you put the, together the four of them. It's three and a half hours long. This is maybe the best three and a half hours of TV that, like, I've seen in a decade. It's amazing, and it's free for anyone. You don't need HBO. You don't need Showtime. You don't need Hulu. You just, just fucking watch it on YouTube. It's super good. Um, in addition to that, I forgot to ask you, Wolf, earlier. Hey, Wolf, are you a turtle today? Bet your sweet ass I am. Yes, that is correct. That is the correct answer to the fraternal and ancient order of turtles. So there was a drinking game or whatever that was back in World War II for fighter pilots. It was the fraternal ancient order of turtles and literally when turtles get together you would ask each other are you a turtle today 
And the person would have to respond, you bet your sweet ass I am. Now, that doesn't seem like anything big right now, but back in the day, there was lots of times where saying, you bet your sweet ass I am would be like, oh my God, did you hear him? Oh, that's such a foul mouth, such a, it was, a, it was very scandalous in the 40s and 50s. So you bet your sweet ass I am is the answer you had to give. Otherwise, you had to buy every turtle present a drink of their choice. Deke Slayton asked Wally Shira in Sigma 6, Sigma 7, sorry, the Sigma 7 mission, which was the fourth mission of the Orion Project. He asked, are you a turtle today? On the record, like live on a broadcast. And Wally Shira said, going to Vox only, which means I'm not going to be broadcasting this live on the air for everyone to hear and for me to get in trouble, but I'm going to record this answer into my voice recorder. And he recorded, you bet your sweet ass I am, then said, ending Vox recording, going back to broadcast mode, and then said, Dick, there's something for you to check on the tape when I land. That comes from the YouTube documentary, which I'm going to link here. It's a two and a half hour long documentary that has amazing things from the uh, Mercury missions. Mm -hmm. Again, completely free. You can watch it on YouTube. Two and a half hours long. It's amazing. And it even includes the part where... <clears throat> what was his name? Ah, shit. Why am I blanking on his name now? Uh... <clears throat> uh they ask, hey, we don't have the orbits right. And and the, the astronaut in charge says, get the girl to check the numbers. The girl, in this case, oh, God, I'm so horrible with names. But in fairness, I forgot the astronaut's name, too. The girl, in this case, was the African-American woman who was the math genius behind the launches who double-checked everything. Because back then, computers were hit and miss. Sometimes it would spit out genius data. Sometimes it would spit out absolute gibberish. And the astronaut involved knew enough to say, get the woman involved who's smarter than the fucking computer to double-check these numbers, because if they're not right, I'm going to die. Uh, so, you know, we've seen the movie Hidden Figures that, that talked about the genius women, mostly women of color, who actually kept our astronauts alive during the Mercury and Apollo missions. But this documentary is full of stuff like that, stuff like the the are you a turtle today stuff like all kinds of stuff including like carpenter who got screwed on his mission he was doing everything right but because he seemed lackadaisical they literally just said you're blackballed you'll never fly in space again after he was the second human to fly se yeah second uh from the american side to fly in space he was after alan shepard uh it was supposed to be uh no he was third it was Alan Shepard, Gus Grissom, and then it was Carpenter, Scott Carpenter. Um, yeah, like, so amazing. These, we've got three, we've got two shows for you. One has two episodes, or sorry, four episodes. The other is just a two and a half hour long documentary. They're all free. They're all on YouTube. They're all for you to enjoy. Anybody want to hop in on this before, uh, have seen any of these before we move on? Nope. All right. Then we've got the Orville 
which has an amazing, uh, again, we're not going to give any spoilers, but the Orville has an amazing examination of the concept of AI, the dangers involved of basically committing slavery upon sentient created beings. Uh, and, and, you know, some very interesting and thoughtful things this week. For all mankind, I'm not going to give any spoilers at all other than to say, holy fuck, the best show on television, bar none, period. The best show on television is in the middle of season three right now. If you're not watching it, you're doing it wrong. Anybody want to hop in on either of those before we move on to games? I haven't seen the Orville yet, but I have been up to date on For All Mankind, and it has been just as good this season as any of the others. So oh, far, my God. Oh, my seen God. seen either of them yet. <gasps> what? For shame. No, I've... you would love them. And I haven't actually finished Strange New Worlds either. Oh, well, hey, look. Neither have I. I'm hey, way behind well, there. Life, <laughs> life, life gets us. Life gets us. But when you catch up, you're going to love it. Well, you know, I had a big deadline. So, yep. yeah, life, life has been busy. So Fair, fair. Okay. Uh, that takes us to Thing of Week Games. We're going to start off with Occupy's Mars. Occupy. I keep saying it wrong. Occupy Mars, the free demo. Uh, let's start off with the asset and then I'm going to show you some links and we're going to talk about it. Hi, I think you're muted. 
Oh, man. God damn drink. it. Everybody drink. So I want to give a shout out to the viewer Incredible, who posted a comment on episode 138 of this show asking us to check out content creator Chlorophyll. Chlorophyll spelled Phil like Phil Donahue. Chlorophyll. Based on the conversation that resulted from this, he suggested specifically I check out Chlorophyll's review of Occupy's Mar Occupy Mars Prologue. I keep saying the singular and plurals of that mixed up. In so doing, I subbed to Chlorophyll, but also decided to move up Occupy's Occupy Mars Prologue on my playthrough list. I'm going to play you the first minute and 10 seconds with sound of Chlorophyll's Occupy Mars Prologue because I want to give a huge shout out to him and give him credit and then we're going to mute it and B-roll while we talk about the, the amazingness that is this game. One second. Easy guys, Chlorophyll here and welcome back to another video. This time I wanted to share my thoughts on Occupy Mars. Occupy Mars is a highly technical open world sandbox game based upon Mars colonization. You build and upgrade your base, discover new regions, conduct mining operations, retrieve water, generate oxygen, grow crops, and fix broken parts. However, what I want to know is what makes Occupy Mars different from every other survival game these days. It feels like the survival game genre has become pretty crowded over the last five years. Do we really need another? And what makes this one so unique? So, I had a quick browse on Steam the other day and I noticed that Occupy Mars Prologue is available for free download. It's an introduction to the full game of Occupy Mars and it's based on its own separate story in a closed location and shows a sneak peek of the full game mechanics. It also included a bunch of tutorials that I took for a quick blast to teach me the ways of Mars survival, which always seems to be the best practice before starting any game. The first thing I learned about All right, so let's let's talk about this a little bit. Number one, huge. I, I very much appreciate Chlorophyll. I like he starts all of his videos with "Easy guys, good shit." Uh, I really like uh, the style in which he's just very casually going through this. Go ahead and go subscribe to his uh you know channel and check out his reviews on lots of stuff we definitely want to support content creators that are making cool funky reviews on space stuff and or playing space games now let's look at the game itself first off this game is scheduled to be released at some point in 2022 question mark we're halfway through that right now but the prologue for this game, which I just linked in the chat for you, is free right now. You can go, all the stuff you're seeing on the screen is stuff from the prologue, it's free. This seems to me like if you were to take sort of a cross between <sighs> Nomansky and Factorio, it's got a lot of the general Nomansky exploration stuff, but it has way more of like circuit boards and wires and plugging stuff and getting circuits up and running and like some of the more intricate stuff that Nomansky doesn't have per se. 
And the setting, it's set on you have to make a base work on Mars. Are you fucking kidding me? I am in. I am so in. I want to science the shit out of things. I want to be Mark Watney. I've read The Martian multiple times and watched the movie. Like an embarrassingly high number of times. The fact that you're growing potatoes here is not lost on me. This shit is awesome. Uh, Wolf, you had an observation? Yeah, so in the, not the prologue, but the thing that showed up beforehand, did I see the robot dog steal something out of the guy's garden? Because my real dogs do that, and it's fucking infuriating. Yeah, I don't I don't know, but it's pretty cool. Yeah, it was it was hilarious. I'm just like, oh, like immediately that that visceral, just like, I've got to go yell at my dog for stealing the tomatoes again. <laughs> yeah, yeah. What do you guys like? Seriously, what do you guys think of this uh, this game? Doesn't it look amazing? I can't wait. Actually, I'm really really intrigued by this. I'm, I'm gonna say something that's gonna get me in trouble though. Go for but it. But in the year of our Lord 2022, can we not have like? You know, generic bald dude number thirty thousand as the person in the, in the trailer. Please, can we have like some more? Well, I mean, is that all? There's is that all they're sending to Mars? Is just this one guy? But, I mean, in uh, fairness, I don't know. I haven't I haven't played it yet. I haven't downloaded. I haven't played it yet. For for all we know, there's a character creation thing, and you get to be you know so. bald dude or you know ponytail woman or you know butch cut woman or long-haired dude or who, like all any all between of the spectrum who knows but on the other side i agree with you i want to science the shit out of this game mm-hmm. i want to grow potatoes i want to drive the rover for like 60 days <laughs> longer than that um <laughs> i yeah i'm really interested in okay well what's going to actually be like the end game of this like is it going to be big multiplayer possible you know, we saw the little starship thing landing and the huge giant base. Why am I building the huge giant base if it's just me? Like, mm. there's, I'm, I'm really curious about where it's going to go with that. And, like, if we're getting NPCs that show up or if it, it can be big multiplayer co-op or whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, do we know that? Is it multiplayer or is so- it single-player? So far, it's just the prologue. It's just the the demo of the game, which is single player. I don't know if the actual on release, if the game is going to be multiplayer or not. I I don't know. I'd be interested to find out for sure. Yeah, I agree. I have to bring it list Spot. I love Spot the dog. Like I'm one of those people that want one of those dogs so bad. <laughs> like mm-hmm. I'll be the first one to have that roaming around my yard um, as soon as they make them smaller and more affordable. Or larger and more affordable, whichever way they want to go, Boston Dynamics. But this game does look amazing. Um, it does. It has base building. Hopefully it has survival, because I love survival aspect of games. I think that would be awesome. Um, but multiplayer, I am I love multiplayer games. That's usually what draws me in, is the community mm. part and like hanging out with other people. So hopefully it is multiplayer and be, or becomes multiplayer. Wolf, do me a favor. Take over for one second. I'll be right back. Sure. Um, yeah, the the whole thing with, with Spot the Dog, that sounds great, Authy, but you're going to change your tune as soon as that dog fucks up the azaleas. I'm, I'm telling <laughs> you, it's it's just going to drive you up a wall. Uh, Chad, what are your thoughts on this? No, Chad? Moving on to Tweet. 
for me, it's another space game, which is good. Obviously, Sorry, it's we need all the variety we can keep. You know, competition makes everybody better. Absolutely. I personally, from what I'm seeing from this, it looks like work. It looks like a job. Go plug this in. Go hook this up. Go do some. I work all day long at my real job. I want to get on my video games and blow things up or fly spaceships or something like that. So not necessarily my cup of tea. And and I also, uh, No Man's Sky kind of taught me that I don't love survival games, which I did not know that about myself. But I, I find them kind of tedious and annoying. So I'll I'll keep an eye on this one, but it's not anything that I'm like super excited for right off the bat. Fair. Uh, my, head, fair. my headphones weren't plugged in all the way. Um, now it looks interesting. Uh, that that in the video footage, the the word "use" over it looks like old Star Citizen. Or yeah, like, it does. Like, um, it's like, wait, did they use the same? I mean, literally like the same font and everything. <laughs> Uh, but no, it's I've, I'm downloading it right now. I have two gigabytes. So, uh, <laughs> um, <clears throat> it's yeah, free. Gigabyte. You can't go wrong. No, you can't go wrong. Uh, no, it looks very interesting. There's so many space games. So many space. I mean, we were talking earlier about there was like a you know half a dozen or more launches just this week alone. Even a few years ago, that would have been unthinkable. Mm-hmm. And now everyone and their mother is all for space and real space and space games and space sims and you have the, the spectacular stuff from just like day one of the web telescope and mm. on and on and it's crazy yeah it's it's super 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 I, I mean it's exciting i love it when when you can tell that like something is sort of in the zeitgeist of the populace it's like okay we're gonna go that way it's just gonna happen so I'm excited for what comes. Again, you can't go wrong, guys. 100% free. Who doesn't like free? Try it. Maybe you like it. Maybe you don't. They have a Discord as well. They have all kinds of information. You should <clears throat> check it out. I posted it right in the links. Let me check. <clears throat> yes, I did. All right. So check out their Discord, check out the game, check out uh, the the free demo, check it all out. And uh, I'm going to be playing it this weekend, full show. We're up on books. I'm still on my second reread of The Case for Mars by Dr. Uh, Robert Zubrin of Lockheed Martin. Now he's from, now he's in pioneer science and he's head of the Mars Underground. Um, but I'm doing that separately. I'm doing that while I go through, like, I'm not just reading through it. Every time I come to links, I'm stopping and going down like a Google rabbit hole of like reading all kinds of different like Senate reports and where this congressional committee killed that program. And then this president came in and set up a blue ribbon committee, which killed the last guy's thing. I'm like digging through it all in detail and having a good time with it. But I also took a day out and read Dr. Neil deGrasse Tyson's Astrophysics for People in a Hurry. Uh, you can get it on Amazon. It's a decent book. I highly recommend it. It's got lots of interesting things. But if you're of the, the ilk where it's like, hey, I want it on audiobook, or hey, I want it for free. Well, here you go. There's the link. It's free. Uh, I don't know. Some Indian dude has it on his YouTube channel. Uh, it seems rather sketch as fuck, but like, Hey, if you want free knowledge, there it is. Knock yourself out. 
Uh, let's go around the horn. What's everybody been reading? Anybody got any good book recommendations they want to pipe in on this week? I know you had one, Authy. Yeah, actually, have you guys read Project Hail Mary? I it's love made by that book. Andy Weir. Yeah. I love that yeah. book. I, one it's of my such favorite. A good book. One of my favorite characters in any story ever is Rocky. I fucking love Rocky. Yes, yes he's awesome. <laughs> I agree. Yep. And and the whole we literally highlighted that book like two weeks ago on this show. I, I, really? Yep. Oh yeah, my yeah. gosh. Yeah. <clears throat> I, That's awesome. Yeah, the uh, Martian was so good. You know, you just had to had to check it out. The Martian was fantastic. Artemis. Eh, it was more of a heist thing. It wasn't really my thing. And then Hail Mary, phenomenal. So good. Yes, loved it. Yeah. <clears throat> so good. Astrophage, the whole, yes, just I, the, the concepts of it. I, I What I said when we talked about it is like, I said, like, uh, I like the fact that I think it, it covers, this book covers what we would do in like a world crisis, how I think we're going to uncover our first experience of <clears throat> finding extraterrestrial life, which will be like in the, the like uh, microbe part uh, type, mm -hmm. <clears throat> how we would deal with encountering extraterrestrial intelligent life like Rocky yep. and, and also like how we would deal with an existential threat to the entire species like astrophages and how we would deal with the having the ability to access l f f uh, faster than light travel like every like that book has everything all of I know, it i know it really wait. does i cannot wait for the movie <laughs> i cannot wait me yeah. either like it, it it is such a good book yes i agree with you 100 percent. the end of it like just all of it all of it has so many they i don't know they just they it was perfection i i love it the end of that book I got choked up. I'm not going to lie. Mm -hmm. I did. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> All right. So, go, so good. Going around the horn. Anybody got any books they want to shout out this week? If not, that's okay. Yeah, I actually have um, the uh, Astrophysics for People Who Are In a Hurry. It's been a little while since I read it, but it is <clears throat> a book that is super easy to just blitz through. Yep. Um, yep. It's incredibly informative but it's it's written on a level that you don't have to have much knowledge at all mm -hmm. in astrophysics to understand it and it 100 percent. if it interests you at all like check it out there you go yeah i i just finished the or one of the newest star wars releases that came out uh, shadows of the sith which takes place 17 years before The Force Awakens, I believe it said. So all in all, I would say actually that is probably the best or one of the best of the new canon books that has come out. And what it really did is it kind of erased a lot of the mistakes of the sequel trilogy. So they're they're walking a lot of that stuff back in the books now. But nice. I listened to the audiobook, and if you've never listened to a Star Wars audiobook, the narrations are amazing. The music is at, in the background hits at all the right points the sound effects it really adds uh, a certain emotion to those stories in, in the books and it's a great way to take them in really beautiful but yeah I, I was impressed shadows of the sith i i personally have struggled with the the 
the nowadays canon Star Wars books. I, I read all the old Legends books, and I've enjoyed many of those. Hmm. The canon books, there's only been a handful that I've enjoyed. And for me to not enjoy Star Wars, that tells me there's something wrong. So hmm. I was happy to see this one come out and i actually do did really enjoy it and i hope they continue on that upward trend very cool very cool all right that takes us to no mansky news uh we're gonna start off with a nice little video here uh ravencore 13 productions who did no man's sky resurrections an amazing seven minute long video check this out Mr. Simmons? I've seen things you people wouldn't believe. Attack ships on fire off the shoulder of Orion. I watched sea beams glitter in the dark near the Tenhauser Gate. All those moments will be lost in time like tears in rain
That was Ravencore 13 again. Ravencore 13 Productions. Uh, no Man's Sky Resurrection. There's a link in the chat. Go support this guy's channel. Uh, you know, it's good shit. He's doing good shit. Uh, I dig it. Um, I'll be honest with you, there's not a whole lot of news in Nomansky this week. It's a night light news week. The speculation is that we will get the expedition in August-ish and the big yearly update they always do updates three to four times uh a year you know every three to four months but the summer one is the biggie every year and that should be hitting sometime in august or september so stay tuned we'll keep you up to date as soon as news drops but i wanted to highlight that very cool video from a good content creator and encourage everyone to go check out his channel and, uh, <clears throat> you know, support people that are making cool shit. All right. Let's move on to Star Citizen and get things rocking. So right off the bat, we're going to start off with an amazing piece of content made from a very cool group of players in Star Citizen. Check it out. Mr. Simmons? Can you tell me what happened? You're our best witness. Mr. Simmons, what happened to the pirates? Man down, man down. Two minutes to drop. And Kai's muted again. Going on, which I think is super, super cool. Uh, Jake Acapella pulled that one uh, and and highlighted it. And a friend of mine, Silverwolf, posted it. And I saw it in a Discord. And I was like, wow, that's very fucking cool. I wanted to shout it out. <clears throat> so uh, I told him we'd be shouting it out on the show again. You've got the link in the show notes, and I've posted it in the thing. Go and check this shit out. It's very cool. Am I muted? I'm seeing people say drink in the chat. You were. No, you're not. Okay. You were at the start. 
I, I, I don't think so. I haven't touched anything in a bit. I shouldn't have been. All right. I don't know. So uh, just to shout this out, I guess, from the top, because I don't know what part you guys did or didn't hear. This was created by Funiculus and uh, the, what is it, the BWC group. Uh, very cool little uh teaser trailer for the patch of 317.2, the Siege of Orson. I don't think I was muted. I think I literally just waited a second because at the end there was like like part of the video still playing that was like staticky whatever, so I waited it for it. I don't think I was muted. I think you heard everything that I said. Anyways, whatever. Cool trailer. Go and check it out. I totally dig it. Uh, shout out to Silverwolf, uh, a friend uh, on Discord who <clears throat> sort of pointed it out to me first uh so hell yeah that shit is cool uh next up we've got the fact that as of today we're over four million citizens in the verse holla at your boy that shit is fucking cool uh anybody want to hop in with a comment or anything on this that we're over four million unique accounts i mean obviously some of those people are going to be like hey i've got three accounts i've got whatever but doesn't matter there's four million citizens in the game whether that's one crazy guy train. with two account or four million individuals yeah crazy train very cool i think it's going to be amazing after server mashing it's going to be just awesome hell yeah so many people okay. yeah i think it's fantastic i mean as we all know every single one of those four million people are just insane and part of a cult and simps and don't know any better scam 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 right mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I, it's, I, I heard that i heard that somewhere so yeah must be true because otherwise Dude, i wouldn't just, have heard it just wait until it hits half a billion dollars <laughs> yeah right uh all right so that takes us to a little thing that dropped today let's talk about it Hey, uh, how about a little Todd Pappy action? Star Citizen Live today, all about 317.2. It's Disco Lando and Todd Pappy pulling detail for detail, talking about, you know, the AI server, not the AI server meshing, the AI nav meshing, talking about <clears throat> different things about, you know, how, what will be some of the effects of, uh, you know, sort of like hey can can are they just gonna hop on the train or are they gonna get and he's like no they're gonna get off and they're gonna hunt you down they're gonna do all the things that they do uh how about chad why don't you take over this one and let's go over some of the interesting points that uh from this video yeah so several the big one i thought was it, so we've been asking for night vision forever right mm -hmm. we finally got an answer yes we're gonna get night vision we're gonna get E, you know, a uh, you know, like infrared, EM, X-ray. Todd Pappy is all about this. Now, there's no timetable for this, but he wants to make it happen. Most likely after 4.0, but it is going to happen. Mm -hmm. So the man himself said, "Yes, we're going to get night vision. Not now, but it's definitely coming, and it's on the list." So nice to get an actual answer for that because up until now. They really haven't said one way or the other. They've been more like, well, no, we're going to keep it like it is now. But no, he's, he was very specific that, yes, we're going to get night vision, apparently. Uh, but it'll, it'll, be, it'll be a while. He um, talked about, like, the AI, yes, they're off ships. No, the AI can't use, like, 
um, rail guns yet, but they will. Um, dynamic spawns won't have loot boxes for now. That'll be in the next, like in the next major update. Then they'll have loot boxes. There's like all these layers that are going on in the game. Um, someone actually asked if double dogs have a higher nutrition than regular dogs, and Top Happy actually said. I'll go find out, and if not, I'll get a designer to fix it. <laughs> yeah, that was... He also rolled his eyes so audibly oh, at I, that I point. Know. Yeah. It was it was hysterical. I mean, he went with it. It was, it was funny. Yeah. Um, let's see, what else? It's just a long list of stuff. Um, someone asked about, like, the red, red wind illegal. If you get a crime set, can you not do them? Of course you can do them. It's illegal. Mm -hmm. um, there's... Um, they're talking about unintentionally harmed by collisions. They know it's a problem. Um, they're not going to turn it off. Uh, they will work through it, but it'll it'll take time. And as Jared loves to say over and over again, everything is a test. Yep. Live is a test environment. PT is a test environment. Even is a test environment. It's all a test. Uh, nothing is set in stone. The, these are all iterative features that will be done over time. <clears throat> so... Um, why don't we pull out like three more highlights? Uh, let's see. Will, will crash reclaimers contain anything worth gathering? Yes, they will. They will. Mm -hmm. uh, what his answer was. Um, oh, there's discussions about lowering the atmosphere requirements for Oriston. Yes, they're going to do it. No, it won't be in 317.2, but they are looking at making the ceiling a lot lower. So you don't have to travel for 15 minutes to the atmosphere from Orison to get out, out of Crusader. Yay. Yeah. So that, that's <laughs> going to happen. Um, yeah, the 150,000 meter ceiling is kind of, it's, it's high. But mm -hmm. they, they know it's a big pain in the butt. They're going to change it. They mm -hmm. didn't say to what level or how high. It'll just be less. Um, knives are cool. What about swords? Um, and they're like... You know, and then he has more like melee weapons in general. Well, there's a bunch of tech they have to do before they, they get to that point. Um, if they want to do that, that stuff. Uh, mm -hmm. And does the mesh get generated before the player arrives or when the player arrives for the, the plant surface mesh? It's when the player arrives. All right. Uh, they're having issues with meshing, like showing up way far away and, and stuff like that. So they're keeping a, a local until they can perfect the technology. So let's take a look at the sneak peek image for this week. Uh, here we go. You should see it on the screen there. It'll take just a couple seconds for the delay. There it is. And the title for this image was, what was it, something like Who's in Control or something? Uh, I have to pull that up. But... What you see there is, obviously, it looks like this is a ship. You see that it has a, that industrial type uh, accordion kind of seat that you see in like buses and heavy construction vehicles. You've got twin sticks on the sides that look very much more like you, f you see with some of the ground vehicles, you see fuzzy dice in the background there, which is okay. That's a thing. We know we're getting the bobbleheads and they said the fuzzy dice. That's the first that I've seen of them. I'm sure other people will correct and say, no, nah, we've seen that before, but uh, okay. There's the fuzzy dice. I want to call out 
Look at the shape of the side windows there. Here's what I think you are seeing. What I think you are seeing is, <clears throat> let's see, 14. What I think you are seeing is that, which is uh, the SRV tug concept art. Here's why I say that I think that's what you're seeing. If you zoom in on the image there, if you look, you'll see that the guy has got two controls, one on each side on the on, like you see normally on the ground vehicles. You will see that if you look on the side windows there, it's like an inverted L. It's that interesting, it's that very open front face, like straight up open glass face in front, and that inverted L on the side. And then if you go back to the other shot, whoops, you'll see that inverted L on the side there. And as the the the, the key or the, the little heading that they gave it is who's in control now, well, obviously the person that's in control is the tug, the person that is pulling the other ship. And they've recently said that what you're getting in this, uh, uh, what do you call it? You're getting coming up soon is the, the, the tractor beams in ships. Now this was first brought to my attention by a member of the Soul Citizens uh, Discord on, on their <clears throat> uh, Thursday Soul Citizen show. But I, I think he's absolutely right. I think what you're seeing there is that inverted L with that open face that's the open face that you see there in front and the inverted L and then the two side controls. Like I said, they told us that they're going to be doing ship-based uh, tractor beams coming soon. And the who's in control now? Well, obviously the guy who's pulling the other ship behind him. What do you guys think? Thoughts? Nailed it. Sure looks like it fits, doesn't it? Yeah, oh, yeah. it does look like that. Absolutely. So. If it's not that... Uh, it's gonna be something real different. Yeah, yeah. All right, all right. Yeah, we're gonna need tow trucks and pyro. Okay, okay, okay. Mm -hmm. I I dig it. I'm there for it. I'm interested. You guys got any any thoughts, any feelings on on the whole idea of uh, ship based tractor beams? Now keep in mind, you've got all kinds of stuff. You've got stuff like <clears throat> the cutty black that's supposed to have small tractor beams on it that i think that's more about like being used for construction work and or stealing crates uh <laughs> you've got other shifts like this srv who's literally his job is a tug his job is you know to uh, what's that old joke if you're if, if if the tug boat was bigger it would be the boat that other boats tugged it's that's this is literally a ship moving ship a ship tractor beaming ship is it a ship that ships <clears throat> shipping ships no that would be the odyssey would be the ship shipping ship for shipping your ships yes yes we both watch ray's guide yes uh hell yeah i absolutely love it like i think it's amazing i'm into the whole okay so i'm an origin girl i love origin ships but mm -hmm. i love the vulture the scavenger vulture that you're going to go out and mm -hmm. i love the idea of going out with the vulture to pyro and trying to scavenge things. And this just adds to that. I've also taken out the expanse. I love the idea of um, being like a floating gas station. I've actually had way more fun with that than I thought that I would. So adding pyro to this and adding this ship on top of it, it just, it really excites me, honestly. Like I, I just think about 
all the different and like the hull A, you can kind of see like pulling this or hull C or any of those and you pull out your cargo ships or even the MSR. But I like the idea of the hull A and hull C because it's outside cargo and I feel like with the MSR and cargo ships like that, you're going to have to have like a forklift to bring cargo inside. I just wonder where they're going to go with it. But I love I love the tugging aspect of it. And I, I think that there's going to be a lot of pirates and you're going to have to like go out with like this whole crew that, you know, stops you know, person B from trying to take your boat or trying to take your, your, you know, your car, your ship that you've, that you're trying to scavenge. It's Mm. just, it's all, I get very excited. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I love it. I love it. Yeah. Opening up these game loops is definitely exciting because it's it's like, okay, this might be your thing, but not mine. And that might be my thing, but not yours. But I just adding in more things for everyone to try and see what you like is, is a beautiful thing. I I wish more people would look at this from the perspective of like a, a typical MMO and, and and before people jump on me, what I mean is what mm-hmm. Kai just said, right? Of not every ship has to do everything. Mm-hmm. Not every ship has to do what you want it to do. Not mm-hmm. every ship has to be for you. And when you, you made the mention of, well, this isn't for me, but it's not, it, it, this is. Mm-hmm. How is that any different from, I really love tanking in Final Fantasy, but I hate healing. Mm-hmm. My best friend really loves being a healer. Another friend of mine is like one of the best Reaper DPS in the entire <laughs> server. How is it any different from any other MMO, right? Like mm-hmm. the more ships, mm-hmm. the more classes, jobs, whatever, the more that people get to find the thing they love, the more the universe feels alive. The more we've got crafters and mm-hmm. hunters and bounty hunters and miners and explorers and... Um, all that kind of good stuff. And, and, I, I I agree. Yeah, sorry. And, yes. And, yeah. and moreover, I could absolutely hate healing, but my life is so much better that there are healers out there as a tank. You know what I mean? Like, like exactly to your point, like yeah. you might not like the refueling aspect, but somebody does. And you might not like the scavenging, mm-hmm. but somebody does. And the thing that you like is made all the richer by the fact that there's someone out there doing those other things. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I think this is fantastic. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. So that takes us to uh, Black Maze. He did a contest this last week of uh, emergent search and rescue gameplay. There's an eight and a half minute long video for you there. He literally posted video uh, of uh, like an audio thing on I don't know, discord or on on discord and or you know reddit or wherever and he was like I'm stuck on this planet I'm radio interference X amount of meters away from and I'm close to and like whatever and then as like, okay, the first response, okay, mm, I'll post the second one. I think he posted, like, three in general. And there were lots of people that, like, put together the little puzzle, the little little augmented reality, whatever you want to call it, puzzle, and came to where he was at and were trying to rescue him. And some people were trying to blow up him and or the people that were trying to rescue him. And, and in the end, a guy came and got the rescue and, and received a, a centurion for their efforts like hey you won a prize here is a vehicle enjoy i think that's super fucking cool i i really really dig that uh so i just wanted to shout it out it's a neat thing i like the idea of content creators making like we make our own fun like okay let's 
do a puzzle. Let's do a this. Let's give a reward. Let's make a race. Let's do a thing and just make our own fun. So I wanted to call that out because I thought it was really cool content and really, uh, really well done. Um, all right. So that takes us to the next issue, which was the patch watch 317.2, a snake fit, a snake pit full of shared passion. Here is copy the link for you guys. So, uh, picture in picture. Here we go. This is, um, a CIG employee, Chris Wayne Schmidt, who is talking about the whole race course that CIG made, where they took what was being done by the community, by the XGR racers, and they added a whole aspect to it of, you know, okay, here's the race where they're going through all these, you know, uh, ravines and, and valleys and whatnot, and CIG went in and they added all kinds of equipment and like like railroad tracks that are up in the air like an elevated train and you have to fly under them and around this building and over this thing and under that thing and it's just very very cool i think uh so i wanted to shout that out i also linked we already played the video for you two weeks ago on this show uh where he says hey i'm black maze and cig made my racetrack here is uh I posted the link in the chat so you can see it, but here's great shots of all the different, you know, scenery things. You have to fly under this arch, fly over around this piece of equipment, the whole nine yards. I just think it's very, very cool. So I wanted to shout it out. Does anybody want to hop in on this? Chad? Yeah. Um, Black Maze is just <laughs> over the moon, over the whole thing. And then they even talked about the thing more in this particular post in that part of the uh, turbulence says as new employees in the Montreal studio, the videos that black maids posted um, on differences between star citizen and other space games, mm -hmm. actually elite. Um, they helped these new employees watch his video to better understand star citizen as a game. Mm -hmm. And they used it as part of their training. He thought that was amazing. Um, oh. That, that his his video content is being used by CIG, CIG employees to familiarize themselves mm -hmm. with the game for new employees, especially those who may have played Elite in the past. Um, and then Maze also has tutorials on how to set up a joystick and dual throttle, dual joystick, and a, bunch, a whole bunch of cool stuff, right? Um, and they they talked about how they made four more four tracks, and this was the one that actually got put live. Uh, and all the work that went into it. And this is like this back and forth between the community and the development teams is what's going to make this game successful. It's not a one-way street. It's a two-way street. And uh, it's just, just amazing. Um, from, if I can real quick, mm -hmm. as an EVE gamer that's been around EVE since 2006, um, CCP would do this stuff all the time. You know, there'd be a big battle and they'd put a monument somewhere or they'd, you know, they'd memorialize some sort of event or, mm -hmm. you know, devs would show up and do stuff. I think. Am I, wait, am I still here? You're here. Oh, OK, cool. Um, I think this is 
fantastic. That's the reason why Eve is almost 20 years old and still going strong. Um, mm-hmm. Because the dev team sees the player base as a family and wants to do stuff like this. And this is exactly what's going to make Star Citizen last for decades to come, is dev team doing stuff like this is fantastic and, and a massive PR win, in my opinion. And it's new content, too. So I think this is this is great. Beautiful. Wolf? <clears throat> yeah, this is precisely how you earn goodwill with a community. Um, they didn't have to do this at all. Not only did they do this, they put the things in and then they're adding the lights. QA is giving it a pass. Like This is becoming a proper thing. Hmm. This is 100% not something that was originally designed, intended, whatnot to exist in the game. Racing is 100% emergent gameplay, and they are carving out this little spot here, and notionally more spots to come just for that. And hmm. that is awesome. Fantastic. Offy. For someone who, um, I love this because I actually participated in the Stanton race mm-hmm. that I, I think it was ATMO that ran it. Mm-hmm. And, um, I, it was kind of funny because I was practicing and it was really hard to practice cause you couldn't follow the racetrack. You had to like go out and just, I thought I knew where it was and I would practice and practice. And then I was like, okay, so at the day of the race, I'm just going to watch a couple of people go and then I'm going to know where to go. But as it turns out, it was alphabetical. So I had to go first. Oh no. So it was, I know it was like this whole thing. So I went first. I did not qualify. Whoopsie. I was like one of the four people that did not qualify. Um, <laughs> because I was, I think I might've actually been last, but the thing is, this is like an actual racetrack and that was amazing. And I love the experience. It was an amazing thing to go through, but to have an actual race course is something that's very exciting. And I, I love it. I love that they're doing that. And they're, they're listening to the, their people, like you guys were saying that they're, the community is so strong and, and you can sit and chat with the devs and, you know, bar citizen and everything. And the fact that they're so reachable and they listen to the community, like you guys are saying that it, it, it's going to, it's going to keep going. I mean, it's just amazing that they're doing this. And that's, Hell yeah. uh, that's about all. Yep. Hell yeah. All right. So that takes us to earlier this week, we had a patch 317.2M. Here are the patch notes. Check it out. Um, in addition to all of these things, and I, I, why don't we have, uh, uh, Chad, why don't you? call out say maybe the two or three biggest things from this patch because then we're going to move on to earlier today we had n patch that dropped and i got that for you as well yeah they keep busting them out so they increased the health of the uh nova tank and then in this then in m they reduced it um <clears throat> so and they're also doing additional work on the desync between players and npcs on the ground uh, and just a lot of little fixes here and there mm-hmm. um, that they keep, they just keep iterating <laughs> on and iterating. All right. And then today we had this one, patch, whoop, click there, patch end drop. Here's the link in the show notes for you guys. Uh, and what were the, the big takeaways from this one, you think, Chad? Well, they increased the uh, the power of the railgun so that um, it's 
more powerful, I guess, to for versus the tank or something. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, what was the other other thing? Can you yeah, scroll scroll yours down? Sure. So known issues. They've got the Stanton network, uh, missions AI, combat AI. Right. Weapon uh, animations. Oh, yeah. yeah, for uh, the increase of ro- the health of the rover, Ursa rover, so it won't blow up as easy as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they're doing a lot of things that will help with, say, Jump Town, where the tank has more power, the rail guns are more powerful, so you can shoot stuff out of the air with them. Mm-hmm. A lot of the a lot of ground troops, you know, like like Katie's crew, like to use rail guns and during Jump Town. So this will be interesting to see how effective they are against fighter craft. Uh, on the ground mm-hmm. uh, so they're changing a lot of the dynamics to be more focused on ground combat mm-hmm. um, which is not a surprise it's, it's a very popular thing in, in Star Citizen uh, and uh, there's there's a lot of content in this patch and they're still they just opened it up to wave 2 earlier today um, it was wave 1 when it, when it initially went live a couple hours later they did wave 2 so hopefully in another week or so it'll go live, but we'll see. And they a big one of the big ones is so they did a lot of work on AI. They did a lot of work on the ASOP terminal. So you were having situations where ship were landing, but they were listed as an unknown state, so you couldn't yeah. claim them or store them. So they're working on all of that, which is good. Uh, yep. All right. And that takes us to, I think, our last thing of the night, which is, oh, nope, we got two things left. We're almost done. We've got, next up, we've got the Hollow Viewer. So, doot, 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 doot. Let me close this out. <clears throat> Star Citizen Spotlight Game Mod. Star Citizen Hollow Viewer 4.0 with VR support. So, you can... Go through with this mod. You can spawn all of the, your different vehicles and whatnot and check them out. You can see what fits where and you can walk around them and you can check the white models and you can see, oh, this is how this works here. And look, this you can squeeze this vehicle into that spot and all of these different things. I think this is very cool. And the fact that it has VR support is just I think it's amazing. So I like that the fact that they're calling it out. I think that all of these little side things that are dealing with sort of the what is it the the A A P what is it called the 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 A- API API. There you go. Yeah. <clears throat> I think that's awesome shit. It gives the creators and 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 members of the community the power to do stuff with it on their own. Anybody want to? hop in with a comment on this one before we move on to the last thing and close out the night that's a lot of work it is a lot of work it is i would just say i love vr so i'm very excited about any kind of vr addition to this so um yeah i'm excited i plan to i i talked to a couple other um star citizens and we are very excited to jump in with vr some people have actually already have even though it doesn't technically support it, but I don't know how many of you guys play VR, but it's uh, it's pretty amazing. It can be. Yeah, I yeah, think I love I love VR, and the closest thing I've gotten to in VR with Star Citizen is the uh, Toby Eye Tracker, which is like VR light kind of sorta. But yeah, I I would yeah. love Star Citizen in VR. <laughs> it's coming. Mm-hmm. 
All right, and then last up, we've got the Tales of the Camaraderie Contest. Here it is for you. Close this. So CIG is doing a contest right now where you can win cool stuff. Um, they have the rules. I've just linked it in the chat. They're grading you on creativity, entertainment value, and style. You're basically going to write up a story about some cool camaraderie that you experienced in the verse so a time where you know you needed help and someone came to lawn and rescued you or did something to help you or guide you or teach you or uh you know whatever or a time where you did that for someone and first place wins a drake caterpillar uh second place wins a mercury star runner and third place wins a misc prospector in game these are all very cool prizes. The contest is going on until July 21st, 11.59 p.m. So July 22nd, the content is contest is closed. I linked in the chat for you the, uh, you know, the contest. So go and check it out. What do you guys think? I actually... Right? Those prizes are amazing. Yeah, oh. I just poked yeah. Katie and said, hey, go post the video of me rescuing you with the freelancer under fire. There <laughs> you go. What, yeah, see what that's like. Right on, right on. All right. Uh, we are going to table the discussion topic because we're already almost three hours in. We're two hours and 40 minutes in. It's been a long night, but a good one. So I hope you guys enjoyed it. Uh, we're going to go around the horn and give everybody an opportunity to add in anything they want to that we didn't hit and or say goodnight to the beautiful people. How about we start off with Chad? Good night, everyone. Uh, go try the PTU. Uh, if you've been playing, if you've been active, you may have access in Wave 2. Uh, there's a lot of cool stuff. Uh, and don't worry about the bugs. They'll get, they'll get worked out eventually. But uh, try it out. Wolf. Just want to say good night to everyone. Thank you for joining us. Uh, feel free to hop on our Discord. Uh, we'll probably be hanging around for a little while afterwards. And I am waiting for the PTU stuff to get done so that I can enjoy 317.2 on the PU and give a go at some of the new things and have fun in the verse. Lady Raincloud. Yeah, um, everybody knows I'm taking a break from Star Citizen. Uh, I will see you all when 4.0 comes out. And outside of that, um, I will be, again, a lot less active um, on the show, barring the news that I will be getting next week being positive. If it is, I will be uh, returning to a senior global community management position with a very large AAA studio. If it isn't, then I'll be here. And so, yeah, hopefully I'll I'll see you all around still. But yeah, um, thanks for having me on tonight. And it was nice to meet you, Wathi. Tweet. It was nice to meet you, too yeah yeah tweet yeah thank you everybody for hanging out with us for a couple hours again tonight it was an educational evening here at the black sky legion i think lots right. of good games lots of good shows lots of good books good time to be a fan of science fiction period so i'm enjoying it everybody else probably is too hell yeah See you next week i'm gonna leave you with the thoughts of two great thinkers and philosophers bill s preston esquire and ted theodore logan who said be excellent to each other and the final uh uh voice of the night goes to our guest authy say good night to the beautiful people and 
give them your thought. I have to say good night to everyone. Uh, thank you for having me on the show. It was amazing. You guys are all so amazing. I had no idea you guys were the school. Um, and congratulations, Lady Raincloud. Either way, either way, if you get Thank the you. position or if you're still in the show, like both of those are awesome. And um, I am excited for the future of Star Citizen. And if anyone wants to group up with me ever, my RSI tag is Authy, but it's A-U-T-H-I-E because someone already has Authy spelled my name, A-U-T-H-Y, and they belong to the org Red Scum. So I feel like they're not going to give up my name easily. Wow. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> but I will ask them someday, maybe. Right on. And right good night, on. everyone. Thanks again for having me. It was awesome. Have a good night. We'll see you next week.